0: Hey, welcome to Corona cold reads. My entertainment world's answer to social isolation. We're hosting bi-weekly Shakespeare cold reads on our YouTube page. Um, every Tuesday and Saturday at 7 PM Eastern, you can tune in, uh, to watch our cast read a different Shakespeare play. Um, and then those videos are available on our YouTube page or on our website, myentertainmentworld.ca, where you can also find the audio version, um, which you can then also get in our, uh, iTunes in our in our podcast feed, um, which you just search My Entertainment World on iTunes, because we just have the one feed, and that feed um, supports all of our different series that we have going on, um, which includes the Corona Cold Reads, um, the full text, so you can listen to Scott Wentworth read King Lear on your commute, not that you're commuting, I don't know, while you're doing the dishes, whatever it is, whenever it is you th- listen to podcasts these days. Um, but you can also catch our Corona Movie Club feed, their favorite series, Shakespeare series, all the very di- various different projects we have going on. Um, also, be sure to check out the website mytamerworld.ca and our social media, Twitter and Instagram at myendworld, um, for all the latest on uh, what's coming out of the website on all of our different platforms. But for Corona Cold Reads, this particular installment is Cymbeline, um, which. How to describe Cymbeline? It's just cuckoo bananas, I think. Bananas is really the word, I think, that best illustrates Cymbeline. It's a crazy one. It's um, often called a romance because it's one of the ones that sort of sits in the middle between tragedy and comedy. Um, I would say because it is a a name title as opposed to sort of a sentence title um, that suggests it was originally written to be a tragedy Um, but then it sort of got reconfigured by time and was deemed not that tragic and it has a relatively happy ending. So, um, I don't know. It just, it's like a weird one that sits in the middle. Um, so it's got that, both that tonal, uh, inconsistency, but then it is also just like some weird stuff happens in this play. Um, there, you know, there's a guy who hides in a chest. There are apparitions. At one point, Jupiter shows up. Uh, it's just it's so it's an odd play. If I were to try to describe the plot to you, um, it would take too long. Um, our episode of the Shakespeare series that's all about Cymbeline it was originally it's actually dramatically edited down, but it, as originally recorded, it was like over three hours because the plot synopsis alone is so overwhelming. Um, there is a very weird, but I would I think it's excellent, uh, film version that's a relatively recent film version that you can check out if you're interested in Cymbeline. Um, it's not a bad play. Um, I've seen quite a few pretty good productions of Cymbeline over the years. Um, it's just a very odd one to read. It's a very odd one to read the play synopsis. Um, but the movie is very good. It stars Ed Harris. Well, it doesn't star Ed Harris. It has Ed Harris in it in the title role. Um, this is yet another one of the plays where the title role is not the main role. Um, the main role is probably, uh, his daughter Imogen is probably the sort of main person you're following. Cymbeline's more of a sporting role. Um, but Ed Harris plays him in the movie and he's uh, the head of a biker gang because of course he is. Um, and it's got, uh, Dan from gossip girl and the girl from 50 shades of gray and Ethan Hawke plays Yakimo which is amazing. He's so good. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, it's an, I would say it's an excellent, very, but, but very crazy adaptation, but it's a, it's a good encapsulation of what makes Cymbeline work. Anton Yelkin plays Clawton, and I think he's the great revelation. Poor late Anton Yelkin, who I already miss so much. Um, but in this version, uh, I've assembled, uh, mostly a bunch of my friends to do this play. It's a it's a pretty casual one. Um, we do have uh, Thomas Goff playing Cymbeline, which is always exciting to get him. Uh, we have Christopher Prentice, who is a, a Chicago-based Shakespeare actor who did a few seasons at Stratford a few years back. He is uh, playing Posthumous Leonidas in this. Um, we also reached in in terms of our Toronto theater casting. We reached a little bit outside of our usual gang. We have some of our usual gang reappearing that you will be familiar with if you've been following Corona Cold Reads. Um, and I'm trying to I'm trying to deploy them differently each time. Um, so this is, for example, the first dramatic performance from Scott Garland. Every everything else has been pretty funny. Um, on the flip side, this is the first purely comedic performance from Mo Uh So we're trying to get a little bit of a balance going. Um, but, uh, we, one of the people we do have who we have not had before is Kat Letwin from the comedy scene, um, in Toronto. And she plays Yakimo. She's, she's a real character. And then she also comes back as Jupiter in one of the crazier, uh, Corona cold reads appearances I've ever seen, uh, for that sequence, I highly recommend checking out the video version. Things get weird guys. It's Cymbeline. So if it didn't get weird, We'd be doing it wrong, frankly. Um, so notice I didn't even really try to tell you the plot. Again, it's impossible to tell you the plot of this play. Maybe give it a Wikipedia glance um, before getting into this, or don't. Just see where it takes you. It's a weird one, but it's not not awesome. Pisanio is one of my all-time favorite characters. So um, good luck, Godspeed, enjoy, and uh, just like lean into the crazy. That's, that's what you have to do with this one. Just lean in. Um, full cast list is available on myentertainmentworld.ca, And uh, again, I highly recommend the video version.
1: Okay. Bye, guys.
0: See you on the other side.
1: You do not meet a man but frowns. Our bloods no more obey the heavens than our courtiers still seem as does the king.
2: But what's the matter?
1: His daughter and the heir of his kingdom, whom he purposed to his wife's sole son, A widow, that late he married, hath referred herself unto a poor but worthy gentleman. She's wedded, her husband banished, she imprisoned, all is outward sorrow, though I think the king be touched at very heart. None but the king. He that hath lost her, too, so is the queen that most desired the match. But not a courtier, although they wear their faces to the bent of the king's looks, hath a heart that is not glad at the thing they scowl at. And why so? Well, he that hath missed the princess is a thing too bad for a bad report. And he that hath her, I mean that married her, lack good man, and therefore banished, is a creature such as, to seek through the regions of the earth for one his like, there would be something failing in him that should compare. I do not think so fair an outward self, and such stuff within endows a man, but he...
2: You speak him
1: far. I do extend him, sir, within himself, crush him together rather than unfold his measure duly. What's his name and birth? I cannot delve him to the root. His father was called Sicilius, who did join his honor against the Romans with Cassabalin, but had his titles by Tenantius, whom he served with glory and admired success, so gained the Surudition Leonatus, and had, besides this gentleman in question, two other sons, who in the wars at the time died with their swords in hand, <coughs> for which their father, then old and fond of issue, took such sorrow that he quit being, and his gentle lady, big of this gentleman, our theme, deceased as he was born. The king, he takes the babe to his protection, calls him posthumous Leonatus, breeds him and makes him of his bedchamber, puts to him all the learnings of his time, puts to him all the learnings that his time could make him the receiver of, which he took as we do air. Fast as twas ministered, and in spring became a harvest, lived in court, which rare it is to do, most praised, most loved, a sample to the youngest, to the more mature, a glass that fitted them, and to the graver, a child that guided daughters. To his mistress, for whom he now is banished, her own price proclaims how she esteemed him and his virtue. By her election may be truly read what kind of man he is.
2: I honour him even out of your report.
1: But pray you tell me, is she sole child to the king? His only child. He had two sons, if this be worth your hearing, mark it. The eldest of them, at three years old, in swaddling clothes, the other, from their nursery were stolen, and to this hour no guess in knowledge which way they went. How long is this ago? Some twenty years that a king's
2: children should be so conveyed, so slackly guarded, and the search so slow that
1: could not trace them? <sighs> so e'er tis strange, or that the negligence may well be laughed at. Yet it is true, sir. I do well believe you. We must forbear. Here comes the gentleman, the queen, and princess. Exit.
0: Enter the queen, posthumous Leonidas, and Imogen.
1: No. Be assured you shall not
3: find me, daughter, after the slander of most stepmothers, evil-eyed unto you, you're my prisoner. But your galler shall deliver you the keys that lock up your restraint. For you, posthumous, so soon as I can win the offended king, I will be known your advocate. Mary, yet the fire of rage is in him, and, for good, you leaned on his sentence with what patience your wisdom may inform you
4: please your highness i will from hence today
3: you know the peril i'll fetch a turn about the garden pitying the pangs of barred affections though the king hath charged you should not speak together exit
5: oh
6: dissembling courtesy how fine this tyrant can tickle where she wounds dearest my dearest husband i something fear my father's wrath but nothing always reserved my holy duty what his rage can do on me you must be gone, and I shall here abide the holy hour of uh, the hourly shot of angry eyes, not conformed to live, but that there is this jewel in the world that I may si- see again.
4: My queen, my mistress, O oh, lady, weep no more, lest I give cause to be suspected of more tenderness than doth become a man. I will remain the loyalist husband that did e'er plight troth. My residence in Rome, at one Falarios, who to my father was a friend, to me known but by letter. Thither write, my queen, and with mine eyes I'll drink the words you send, though ink be made of gall.
3: Re-enter queen. Be brief, I pray you, if the king come. I shall incur I know not how much of his displeasure. Yet I'll move him to walk this way. I never do him wrong, but he does by my injuries to be friends. Pays dear's for my pays dear for my
4: offences. Exit. Should we be taking leave as long as term as yet we have to live, the loathness to depart would grow. Adieu.
6: Nay, stay a little. Were you but riding forth to air yourself, such parting would were too petty. Look here, love. This diamond was my mother's. Take it, heart, but keep it till you woo another wife when Imogen is dead. How,
4: how, another? You gentle gods, give me but this I have, and sear up my embracements from a next with bonds of death.
0: Putting on the ring.
4: Remain, remain thou here, while sense can keep it on, and sweetest, fairest, as I, my poor self, did exchange for you to your so infinite loss. So in our trifles I still win of you. For my sake, wear this. It is a manacle of love. I'll place it upon this fairest prisoner.
0: Putting a bracelet upon her arm. Oh, the gods, when shall we see again? Enter Cymbeline and lords.
7: Alack, the king, thou basest thing, avoid hence from my sight. If after this command thou fraught the court with thy unworthiness, thou diest. Away, thou
4: poison to my blood. The gods protect you, and bless the good remainders of the court. I am gone. Exit.
6: There cannot be a pinch in death more sharp than this.
4: Oh, disloyal thing that shouldst repair my
7: youth, thou help'st a year's age on me. I beseech
6: you, sir, harm not yourself with your vexation. I am senseless of your wrath. A touch more rare sub- subdues all pains, all fears.
7: Past grace, obedience?
6: Past hope, and in despair that way past grace.
7: That mightst have had the sole son of my queen.
6: Oh, blessed that I might not. I choose an eagle, and did avoid a puttock.
7: Thou tookst a beggar. Would'st have made my throne a seat for baseness. No,
6: I have rather added a luster to it. Oh, thou vile one! Sir, it is your fault that I have loved Posthumus. You bred him as my playfellow, and he is a man worthy any woman. Overbuys me almost the sum he pays.
5: What are thou mad?
6: Almost, sir. Heaven restore me. Would I were a neat her- a neat herd's daughter, and my Leonatus our neighbour's shepherd's son.
7: Thou, oh, foolish thing!
6: Re-enter, Queen.
7: They were again together. You have done naught after our command. Away with her and pen her up.
3: Beseech your patience. Peace. Dear lady daughter, peace, sweet sovereign, let us to ourselves and make yourself some comfort out of your best advice.
7: Nay, hey, let her languish a drop of blood a day and being aged die of this folly.
3: Exit Cymbeline and lords. Fie, you must go, you must give way. Enter Pisanio. Here is your servant. How now, sir, what news?
8: My lord, your son drew on my master.
3: Ha, no harm, I trust, is done. No, there might a-
8: there might have been, but that my master rather played than fought, and had no help of anger, they were parted by gentlemen at hand.
6: I am very glad on it. Your son's my father's friend. He takes his part to draw upon an exile. Oh, brave sir! I would they were in Africa both together, myself by with a needle, that I might prick the gore back. Why came you from your master?
8: On his command. He would not suffer me to bring him to the haven. Left these notes of what commands I should be subject to, when to please you to employ me.
3: This hath been your, face, your faithful servant. I dare lay mine honor, he will remain so.
8: I humbly thank your highness.
6: Pray, walk a while. About some half hour hence, pray you speak with me. You shall at least go see my lord aboard. For this time leave me. Exempt. Mm.
0: Scene two, the same, a public place. Enter Cloughton and two lords.
2: Sir, I would advise you to shift a shirt. The violence of action hath made you reek as a sacrifice. When, where air comes out, air comes in.
5: There's none abroad so wholesome as that you vent.
9: If my shirt were bloody then to
5: shift it. Have I heard him? Who is playing second lord?
0: Mm. I thought you play second lord? all
9: <laughs> all right. <clears throat> all right, Dad.
8: have I heard You're him? All right, have you heard him? Uh, no faith, not so much as his patience.
2: Hurt him? His body's a passable carcass if he be not hurt. It is a thoroughfare for steel if it be not hurt. Oh,
8: his steel was in debt. It went to the backside of the town. <laughs> The villain would
4: not stand me. No, but he fled forward still towards your face.
2: Stand you? You have land enough of your own, but he added to your having, gave you some ground.
8: Oh, as many inches as you have oceans. Puppies! I would they had not come between us. So would I, till you had measured how long a fool you were upon the ground. <laughs> and, and that she should love this fellow and refuse me. If it be a sin to make a true election, she is damned.
2: Sir, as I told you always, her beauty and her brain go not together. She's a good sign, but I have seen small reflection of her wit.
8: She shines not
9: upon fools, lest the reflection should err, her. Um, I'll to my chamber. Would there have been some hurt done?
8: I wish not so, unless it had been the fall of an ass, which is not so great hurt.
9: You'll go with us.
2: I'll
0: attend your lordship.
9: Nay, come, let's go together.
0: Well, my lord. Exent. Scene three, a room in Cymbeline's palace. Enter Imogen and Pisanio.
6: I would thou grewst unto the shores of the heaven, and questioned every sail. If he should write, and I not have it, t'were a paper lost as offered mercy is. What was the last that he that he spake to thee?
8: It was his queen, his queen.
6: Then waved his handkerchief
8: and kissed it, madam.
6: Senseless linen, happier therein than I. And that was all.
8: No, madam, for so long as he could make me with his this eye or here distinguish him from others he did keep the deck with glove or hat or handkerchief still waving as the fits and stirs of his mind could best express how slow his soul sailed on how swift his ship
5: thou
6: shouldst have made him as little as a crow or less ere left to after eye him
5: madam so i did
6: would have broke mine eye-strings, cracked them but to look upon him, till the diminution of space had pointed him sharp as my needle, nay, followed him till he had melted from the smallness of a gnat to air, and then have turned mine eyes and wept. But, good Pisanio, when shall we hear from him?
8: Be assured, madam, with this next vantage.
6: I did not take my leave of him, but had most pretty things to say. Ere I could tell him how I would think on him at certain hours, such thoughts and such, or I could make him swear that she's of Italy should not betray mine interest and his honour, or have charged him at the sixth hour of morn, at noon, at midnight, to encounter me with Orisons, for then I am in heaven for him, or ere I could give him that parting kiss, which I had set betwixt two charming words, comes in my father. And like the tyrannous breathing of the north,
5: shakes all our buds from growing. Enter a lady.
10: The queen, madam, desires your highness's company. Those
6: things I bid you do, get them dispatched. I will attend the queen.
5: <laughs>
8: madam, I shall.
0: Exent. Scene four, Rome, Filario's house. Enter Filario, Giacomo, a Frenchman, a Dutchman, and a Spaniard. Believe it,
11: sir, I have seen him in Britain. He was then of a crescent note, expected to prove so worthy as since he hath been allowed the name of it. But I could then have looked on him without the help of admiration, though the catalogue of his endowments had been tabled by his side, and I to peruse him by items.
2: You speak of him when he was less furnished than now he is with that which makes him both without and within.
12: I have seen him in France. There have many that could behold the sun as which, uh, with as firm eyes as he... Uh, this matter of marrying his king's daughter, wherein he must be
11: weighed rather by her value than his own, words him I doubt not a great deal from the matter. And then his banishment? Ay, uh, and the approbation of those that weep this lamentable divorce under her colors are wonderfully to extend him... Be it but to fortify her judgment, which else an easy battery might lay flat, for taking a beggar without less quality. But how comes it he is to sojourn with you? How creeps acquaintance? His
2: father and I were soldiers together, to whom I have been often bound for no less than my life. Here comes the Briton. Let him be so entertained amongst you as suits, with gentlemen of your knowing to a stranger of his quality.
0: Enter Posthumus Leonatus.
2: I beseech you all, be better known to this gentleman, whom I commend you to you as a noble friend of mine. How worthy he is I will leave to appear hereafter, rather than story him in his own hearing. Sir, so we have known
12: together in Orleans.
4: Since when I have been debtor to you for courtesies which I will be ever to pay, and yet pay still.
12: Sir, so you are right, my poor kindness. I was glad I did on my countryman and you. It had been pity you should have been put together with so mortal a purpose than each bore, upon importance of so slight and trivial a nature.
4: By your pardon, sir, I was then a young traveller, rather shunned to go even with what I heard than in my every action to be guided by others' experiences. But upon my mended judgment, if I offend not to say it is mended, my quarrel was not altogether slight.
12: It we as to put into the arbitrament of swords, and by the two that... Would by all likelihood have confounded one the other, or have fallen both. Can we, with manners, ask what was the difference? Safely, I think. 'Twas a contention in public, which may, without contradiction, suffer the report. 'Twas much like an argument that fell our last night, where each of us fell in praise of our country mistresses, whose gentleman at that time vouching, upon warrant of bloody affirmation, is to be more fair, virtuous wise, chaste, constant qualified, and less attemptable than any of our rarest ladies in France.
11: (laughs) That lady is not now living, or this gentleman's opinion by this worn out.
4: She holds her virtue still, and I my mind.
11: You must not so far prefer her for ours of Italy.
4: Being so far provoked as I was in France, I would abate her nothing though I profess myself her adorer, not her friend.
11: As mm, fair and as good. A, a kind of hand-in-hand comparison had been something too fair and too good for any lady in Britain. If she went before others, I have seen, with that diamond of yours, lusters many of I have beheld, I could not but believe she excelled many, but I have not seen the most precious diamond that is, nor you, the lady.
4: I praised her as I rated her, so do I my stone. What do you esteem it at? More than the world enjoys.
11: Either your unparagoned mistress is dead, or she's outpriced by a trifle.
4: You are mistaken. Mm. The one may be sold or given, if there were wealth enough for the purchase, or merit for the gift. The other is not a thing for sale, and only the gift of the gods. Which the gods have given you. Which by their graces I will keep.
11: Her, you may wear her and title yours, but, you know, strange fowl light upon neighboring ponds. Your ring may be stolen, too, so your brace of unprisable estimations. The one is but frail and the other casual. A cunning thief or that-way accomplished courtier would hazard the winning both of first
5: and last.
4: Your Italy contains none so accomplished a courtier to convince the honor of my mistress. If, in the holding of loss of that, you term her frail, I nothing doubt you have a store of thieves. Notwithstanding, I fear not my ring.
2: Let us leave here, gentlemen.
4: Sir, with all my heart, this worthy signor, I thank him, makes no stranger of me. We're familiar at first.
11: With five times so much conversation, I should get grand of your fair mistress. Make her go back, even to the yielding, I admittance and opportunity to... Uh,
4: no, no, no,
11: no. Oh, oh, mm, ah, ah. I dare thereupon pawn the moiety of my estate to your name, which, in my opinion, or values it something. But I make my wager rather against your confidence than her reputation. And uh, to bar your offense herein, too, I durst attempt it against any lady in the world.
4: You are a great deal abused in too bold a persuasion, and I doubt not you sustain what you're worth by, uh, by your attempt. What's that? A repulse. <laughs> Though your attempt, as you call it, deserve more. A punishment, too.
2: Gentlemen, enough of this. It came in too suddenly. Let it die as it was born, and I pray you be better acquainted.
11: Ah, uh, Would I have put my estate and my, and my neighbors on the approbation of what I have
4: spoke. What lady would you choose to assail?
11: Yours. Whom, in constancy, you think stands
7: so
4: safe. <laughs>
11: I will lay you 10,000 ducats to your ring that commend me to the court where your lady is with no more advantage than the opportunity of a second conference, and I will bring from thence that honor of hers, which you imagine so reserved.
4: I will wage against your gold. Gold to it. My ring I hold dear as my finger. Tis part of it.
11: You are afraid, and therein the wiser. If you buy ladies' flesh at a million a dram, you cannot preserve it from tainting. (laughs) But I see you have some religion in you, that you fear.
4: This is but a custom in your tongue. You bear a graver purpose, I hope.
11: I am the master of my speeches, and would undergo what's spoken. Mm, mm, I swear.
4: Will you? I shall but lend my diamond till your return. Yet, let there be covenants drawn between's. My mistress exceeds in goodness the hugeness of your unworthy thinking. I dare you to this match. Here's my ring.
11: I will have it no lay. By the gods, it is one. If I bring you no sufficient testimony that I have enjoyed the dearest bodily part of your mistress, my ten thousand ducats are yours. So is your diamond, too. If I come off and leave her in such honor as you have trust in, she your jewel, this your jewel, and my gold are yours, provided I have your commendation for my more free entertainment.
4: I embrace these conditions. Let us have articles betwixt us. Only thus far you shall answer. If you make your voyage upon her and give me directly to understand you have prevailed, Hmm. I am no further your enemy. She is not worth our debate. If she remain unseduced, you not making it appear otherwise, for your ill opinion and the assault you have made to her chastity, you shall answer me with your sword.
11: Ooh! Your hand. A covenant. We will have these things set down by a lawful council and straight away for Britain, lest the bargain should catch cold and starve. I will fetch my gold and have our two wagers
0: recorded. Agreed. Exxunt posthumous Leonatus, and Giacomo, Will the sound, you think? Signor
2: Giacomo will not from it. Pray, let us
0: follow him. Exunt. Scene five, Britain of Roman Cymbeline's palace. Enter queens, ladies, and
5: Cornelius. Queen... Yes, whilst yet the dews on
3: the ground gather those flowers, make haste. Who has the note of them? I, madam. Dispatch. Excellent, ladies. Now, master doctor,
0: have you brought those drugs?
13: Please, if your highness, I. Here they are,
0: madam. Presenting a small box. But
13: I beseech your grace, without offence. My conscience bids me ask, wherefore have you commanded me of those most? Those most precious poisonous compounds, which are the movers of a languishing death, but thou, but though slow, deadly,
3: I wonder, doctor, thou ask me such a question: Have I not been thy pupil long? Hast thou not learned me how to make perfumes, distil, preserve, yea, so that our king himself doth woo me oft for my confections? Having thus far proceeded, unless thou thinkst me devilish, it's not need that I did amplify my judgment in other conclusions. I will try the forces of these thy compounds on such creatures, as we count not worth the hanging, but none human, to try the vigor of them and apply ailments to their act, and by them gather their several virtues and effects.
13: Your Highness shall from this practice, but make hard your heart.
3: Besides, the seeing these effects will be both noisome and infectious. Oh, content thee.
0: Enter Pisanio.
3: Here comes a flattering rascal. Upon him will I first work. He's for his master, an enemy to my son. How now, Pisanio? Doctor, your service for this time is ended. Take on your way.
13: I do suspect you, madam, but you shall do no harm.
3: Hark thee a word.
13: I do not like her. She does think she has some strange lingering poisons. I do know her spirit and will not trust one of her malice with a drug of such damn nature. Those she has will stupefy and dull the sense awhile, while, which at first perchance she'll prove on cats and dogs and afterward up higher. But there is no danger in what show of death it makes, more than the locking up the spirits of time to be more fresh, reviving. She is fooled with a most false effect, and I the truer, so to be false with her.
3: No further service, doctor, until I send for thee. I humbly take my leave. Exit. Weeps, she still sayest, though. Dost thou think in time she will not quench and let instructions enter where folly now possesses? Do thou work. When thou shalt bring me word, she loves my son, I'll tell thee on the instant thou art then as great as is thy master. Greater for his fortunes all lie speechless and his name is at last gaps gasp return he cannot nor continue where he is to shift his being is to exchange one misery with another and every day that comes comes to decay a day's work in him what shall thou expect do be depender on a thing that leans, who cannot be new-built, nor has no friends, so much as but to prop him. The queen drops the box. Bassanio takes it up. Thou takes up. Thou knowest not what, but fake it for thy labor. It is a thing I made, which hath the king, five times redeemed from death. I do not know what is more cordial. Nay, I prithee, take it. It is an earnest of a further god. That I mean thee. Tell thy mistress how the case stands with her. Do it as from thyself. think what a chance thou changest on, but think thou hast thy mistress still to boot my son, who shall take notice of thee. I'll move the king to any shape of thy preferment such as thou' desire, and then myself, I chiefly that set thee on to this desert, am bound to load thy merit richly. Call my women. Think on my words. Exit Pisanio. A sly and constant knave, not to be shaked, the agent for his manner, and the remembrance of her to hold the hand fast to her lord. I have given him that which, if he take, shall quite unpeople her of, li- of ligers for her sweet, and which she after except she bend her humour shall be assured to taste of two.
0: We enter Pisanio and ladies.
3: So, so, well done, well done. The violets, cows, lips, and the primroses bear to my closet. Fare thee well, Pisanio. Think on my words. Exit, queen
0: and ladies.
8: And shall do. But when my good lord I prove untrue, I'll choke myself. There's all I'll do for you.
0: Exit. Scene six, the same, another room in the palace. Enter Imogen. Father cruel, a stepdame false,
6: a foolish suitor to a wedded lady that hath her husband vanished. Oh, that husband, my supreme crown of grief, and those repeated vexations of it. Had I been thief stolen as my two brothers, happy, but most miserable is the desire that's glorious. Blessed be those, how mean soe'er, that have their honest wills, which seasons comfort. Who may this be? Chi.
0: Enter Pisanio and Iacomo.
8: Madam, the noble gentleman of Rome comes from my lord with letters.
0: Thank you, madam.
11: The worthy Leonardus is in safety and greets your highness dearly.
6: Presents a letter. Thanks, good sir. You're kindly welcome. <laughs>
11: All of her that is out of door most rich. If she be furnished with a mind so rare, she is alone the Arabian and I have lost the wager. Boldness, be my friend. Army, audacity from head to foot. Or, like the Parthian, I shall flying fight. Rather directly fly.
6: He is one of the noblest note to whose kindness I am most infinitely tied. Reflect upon him accordingly. As you value your trust, Leonatus. So far, I read aloud, but even the very middle of my heart is warmed by the rest, and take it thankfully. You are as welcome, worthy sir, as I have words to bid you, and shall find it so in all that I can do. Thanks, fairest lady.
11: What men mad? Hath nature given them eyes to see this vaulted arch and the rich crop of sea and land, which can distinguish twixt the fiery orbs above and the twin stones upon the numbered beach? can we not partition, make with spectacles so precious twixt fair and foul? What makes your admiration? <laughs> Cannot be the eye for apes and monkeys twixt two such she's would shatter this way and condemn with mouths the other nor in the judgment, for idiots in this case a favor would be wisely definite, nor in the appetite, slattery to which neat excellence opposed should make desire vomit emptiness not so allured to feed. What is the matter, so? The cloyed will, that satiate yet unsatisfied desire, that tub, both filled and running, ravening first the lamb longs after for the garbage,
6: What, dear sir, that thus
11: wraps you? Are you well? Thanks, madam. Well, uh, beseech you, sir. Desire my man's abode where I did leave him. He is strange and peevish.
14: I
8: was going, sir, to give him welcome.
6: Exit. Continues well, my lord. His health beseech you?
11: Well, madam.
6: Is he disposed to mirth? I hope he is.
11: Exceeding pleasant. None a stranger there so merry and so gamesome. He is called
6: the Britain Reveler. When he was here, he did incline to sadness and oft times, not knowing why.
11: I never saw him sad. There is a Frenchman, his companion, uh, one eminent monsieur, that it seems much loves a galleon girl at home. He furnaces the fixed eyes from him... Whilst the jolly Briton uh, uh, your lord, I mean, laughs from free lungs, cries, all oh, can my sides hold to think that man who knows by history, report or his own proof, what woman is, yea, what she cannot choose but must be, will his free hours languish for assured bondage?
6: Will my lord say so? Aye,
11: madam, with his eyes and blood with laughter. It is a recreation to be by and hear a mock the Frenchman. man. Eh? <laughs> but, heavens, uh, no, some men are much to blame. Not he, I hope. Not he. But yet, heaven's bounty towards him might be used more thankfully. In himself, tis much. In you, which I account his beyond all talents, whilst I am bound to... Wonder, I am bound to pity
6: too. What do you pity, sir? Two creatures, heartily. Am I one, sir? You look on me. What rack discern you in me deserves your pity? Lamentable. What, to hide me from the radiant sun and solace to the dungeon by a snuff? I pray you, sir, deliver with more openness your answer to my demands. Why do you pity me? Let others do. I was about to say, enjoy your... But it is an office of the gods to venge it, not mine to speak on it. You do seem to know something of me, or what concerns me. Pray you, since doubting things go ill often hurts more than to be sure they do. For uh, For certainties either are past remedies or timely knowing, the remedy then born discovered to me. What both your spur and stop? Oh, oh, had I this cheek to bathe my lips upon?
11: This hand whose touch, was every touch, would force the fearless soul to the oath of loyalty? This object which takes prisoner of the wild motion of mine eye, fixing it only here? Should I, damned, then slaver with lips as common as the stairs that mount the capital, Join gripes of hands made hard with hourly falsehood, falsehood as with labor. And by peeping in an eye basin and lustrous as the smoky light that's fed with stinking tallow, it were fit that all the plagues of hell should at one time encounter such revolt. My lord, I
6: fear, has forgot Britain. And himself.
11: Not I, inclined to this intelligence, pronounce the beggary of his change, but. Tis your graces that from paying mute as conscience to my tongue charms this report out. Let me hear no more. Oh, oh, dear soul, your cause doth strike my heart with pity, that doth make me sick. A lady so fair and fastened to an empery would make the great king double, to be partnered with tomboys hired with that self exhibition which your own coffers yield with diseased ventures that play with all the infirmities for gold, which rottenness can lend nature. Such boiled stuff as well, my poison, poison. Be revenged. Was she that bore you was no queen, and you recoil from your great stock.
6: Revenged? Mm. How should I be revenged? If this be true, as I have such a heart that both mine's ears mine must not in haste abuse, if it be true, how should I be revenged? <sighs>
11: Should he make me live like Diana's priest betwixt cold sheets while he is vaulting variable ramps in your despite upon your purse? Revenge. I dedicate myself to your sweet pleasure, more noble than that runagate to your bed, and will continue fast
6: to your affections still close as sure. What hope, Cassanio? Let me my service tender on your lips. Away I do condemn mine ears that have so long attended thee. If thou wert honourable, thou wouldst have told this tale for virtue, not for such an end thou seek'st as basis strange. Thou wrong'st a gentleman, who is as far from thy report as thou from honour, and solicits here a lady that disdains thee and the devil alike. What hope, Pisanio? The king, my father, shall be made acquainted of thy assault, if he shall think of it fit a saucy stranger in his court to mart as in a Ro- Romish stew. And to expound his beastly mind to us, he hath a court he little cares for, and a daughter who he not respects at all. What hope, Pisanio! Oh,
11: happy Leonatus! And I may say the credit that thy lady hath of thee deserves thy trust. And thy most perfect goodness he has shown credit. Blessed live you long! A lady to the worthiest sir that ever country called his, and you his mistress only for the most worthiest fit. Give me your pardon. I have spoke this to know if your affiance were deeply rooted and shall make your lord that which he is new or. And he is one, the truest manner, such a holy witch that he enchants societies into him. Half all men's hearts are his. You make amends. He sits amongst men like a descended god. He hath a kind of honor sets him off, with an immortal seeming. Please be not angry, most mighty princess, that I have adventured to try your taking a false report, which hath honored with confirmation your great judgment in the election of a sir so rare, which you know cannot err. The love I bear him made me to fan you thus. The gods made you, unlike all others, traflous. Pray your pardon. All's well, sir. Take my power in the court for yours. My humble, humble thanks. I had almost forgot to entreat your grace, but in a small request, and yet a moment too, for it concerns your lord, myself and other noble friends are partners in the business. Pray what is it? Some dozen Romans of us and your lord, the best feather of our wing, have mingled sums to buy a present for the emperor, which I, the factor for the rest, have done in France. Tis plate, of rare device, and jewels of rich and exquisite form, the value is great. And I am something curious, being strange, to have them in safe stowage. May it please you to take them in
6: protection? Willingly. And pawn mine honor for their safety. Since my lord hath interest in them, I will keep them in my bedchamber.
11: They are in a trunk attended by my men. I will make bold to send them to you only for this night. I must to tomorrow. Oh, no, no. Ah, yes, yes, I beseech. Or I shall short my ward by lengthening my return. From Gallia I cross the sea on purpose and on promise to see your grace. I thank you for your pains, but not away tomorrow. Oh, I must, madam. Therefore, I shall beseech you, if you please, to greet your lord with writing. Do tonight. I have outstood my time, which is material to the tender of our present.
6: I will write. Send your trunk to me. It shall be uh, safe be kept.
0: And truly yielded you. You are very welcome. Excent. Act two, scene one, Britain before Cymbeline's palace, enter
9: Clotin and two lords. Was there ever a man had such luck? When I kissed the jack upon an upcast to be hid away, I had a hundred pounds on it. And then a horse on jackanapes must take me up for swearing, as if I borrowed mine oats of him and might not spend them at my pleasure.
0: Pause for a second. I'm going to recast the second lord because I apparently didn't <laughs> cast the second lord in the first place. Uh, who doesn't have very much to do? Um, who's the first lord? Hello. Okay, you're the first lord. Uh, Lita, do you want to read the second lord? Okay, perfect. Thanks. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) What got he by that?
10: You have broke his paint with your bowl. If his wit had been like him that broke it, it would have all run out.
9: When a gentleman is disposed to swear, it is not for any standers-by to curtail his oaths, huh?
10: No, my lord,
9: nor crop the ears of them. Whore, son, dog. I give him satisfaction. Would he had been one of my rank? To have smelt like a fool. I am not vexed more at anything in the earth. A pox on it. I had rather not be so noble as I am. They dare not fight with me because of the queen, my mother. Every jack slave hath his belly full of fighting, and I must go up and down like a cock that nobody can match.
10: You are a cock and a cap on too, and you crow cock with your comb on. Sayest thou. It is not fit your lordship should undertake every companion that you give offense to.
9: No, I know that. But it is fit I should commit offense to my inferiors.
10: Ay, it is fit for your lordship only.
9: Why, so I say.
2: Did you hear
10: of a stranger that's come to court tonight? A stranger? And I know not on it. He is a strange fellow himself, and knows
2: it not. There's an Italian come, and, tis thought, one of Leonardus's friends.
9: Ugh, Leonidas, a banished rascal, and he's another whatsoever PB. Who told you of this stranger? One
2: of your lordship's pages.
9: Is it fit? <coughs> I want to look upon him, that's my cat. Is there no degradation in it?
10: You cannot derogate, my lord.
9: Not easily, I think.
10: You're a fool, granted. Therefore, your issues, being foolish, do not derogate.
9: Come. I'll go see this Italian. What I have lost today at Bows, I'll win tonight of him. Come. Go.
10: I'll attend your lordship. Exent Clotten and first lord. That such a crafty devil as his mother should yield the world this ass. A woman that bears da- all down with her brain, and this her son cannot take two from twenty for his heart and leave eighteen. Alas, poor princess, thou divine Imogen, what thou endurest, betwixt a father by the stepdame governed, a mother hourly coining plots, a wooer more hateful than the foul expulsion, expulsion of thy dear husband, than that horrid act of the divorce held make. The heavens hold firm the walls of thy dear honor. Keep unshaked that temple, thy fair mind, that thou may stand to enjoy thy banished lord and this great land.
0: Exit. Scene two, Imogen's bedchamber in Cymbeline's palace, a trunk in one corner of it. Imogen in bed, reading, a lady attending.
6: Who's there? My
10: woman, Helen? Please, you, madam. What hour is it? Almost midnight, madam.
6: I have read three hours, then. Mine eyes are weak. Fold down the leaf where I have left to bed. Take not away the taper, leave it burning, and if thou canst awake by four the clock, I prithee call me. Sleep hath seized me wholly. Exit lady. To your protection I commend me, gods, from fairies and the tempters of the night. Guard me, beseech ye.
0: Sleep's Yakimo comes from the trunk. <laughs> Crickets sing, and man's
11: o'er laboured sense repairs itself by rest. Our Tarquin thus did softly press the rushes ere he wakened the chest ere he wounded. Cytheria, so bravely thou becomest my thy bed, fresh lily, and whiter than the sheets that I might touch. But kiss one kiss. Rubies on Paragon, how dearly they do it. Oh, tis her breathing that perfumes the chamber thus. The flame of the taper passed toward her, and would underpeep her lids to see the enclosed lights now canopied under these windows, white and azure, laced with blue of heaven's own tint. But my design to another chamber. Hmm. We'll write all down. Such and such pictures there, the windows, such the adornment of her bed, the arras, of figures, <laughs> uh, such and such, and the contents of the story. Ah, <laughs> but some natural notes. About her body, about ten thousand meaner movables would testify to enrich mine inventory. Oh, sleep, thou ape of death, thou lie dull upon her, and be her sense but as a monument, thus in a chapel lying. Come on, come on. Taking off her bracelet. (laughs) As slippery as the Gordian knot was hard, tis mine. And this will witness outwardly as strongly as the conscience does within to the matting of our lord. Ooh. On her left breast, a mole sink spotted like the crimson drops in the bottom of a cowslip. Ah, here's a voucher stronger than ever law could make. The secret will force him to think I have picked the lock and tame the treasure of her honor. No more. To what end? Why should I write this down? That's riveted, screwed to my memory. She hath been reading late the hmm, Tales of Tereus. Here the leaves turned down where Philomel gave up. Hmm, I have enough. To the drunk again. Shut the spring of it. Swift, swift, you dragons of the night, that dawning may bear the raven's eye. Lodge in fear, though this a heavenly angel. Hell
0: is here. Clock strikes. One, two, three. I have time goes into the trunk. The scene closes. Scene three an antechamber adjoining Imogen's apartments. Enter
9: Clotin and Lords.
2: Your lordship is the most patient man in t- loss, the most coldest that ever turned up ace.
9: It would make any man cold to lose.
2: But not every man patient after the noble temper of your lordship. You are most hot and furious when you win.
9: And winning will put any man into courage. If I could get this foolish Imogen, I should have gold enough. Is it almost morning, is it not? Day my I would this music would come. I am advised to give her music a mornings. They say it will penetrate.
0: Enter musicians.
9: Oh man <laughs> Come on, tune. If you can penetrate her with your fingering, so we'll try with tongue too. If none will do, let her remain. But I'll never give over. First, a very excellent, good, conceited thing. After, a wonderful, sweet air with admirable, rich words to it. And then let her consider.
5: And his gate sings In
12: fabulous journeys His steeds to water At the springs On chalice flowers That lies and
5: lies <laughs> And my darling, birds begin to lump your golden eyes With
12: everything that pretty is, my
5: lady is sweet oh, all right.
9: So, get you gone. If this penetrates, I will consider your music the better. If it do not, it is a vice in her ears, which horse hairs and calves guts, nor the voice of unpaved eunuch to boot, can never amend.
0: Exent musicians.
10: Here comes the king.
9: I am glad I was up so late, for that's the reason I was up so early. He cannot choose but take the service I have done father. <laughs> Enter Cymbeline and Queen. Good morrow to your majesty and to my gracious mother.
7: Attend you here the door of our stern daughter, will she not forth?
9: I have assailed her with music, but she vouchsafes no notice.
7: The exile of her minion is too new, she hath not yet forgot him. Some more time must wear the print of his remembrance on, and then she's yours.
3: You are most bound to the king, who lets go by no vantages that may prefer you to his daughter. Frame yourself to orderly soliciting, and be friended with aptness of the season. Make denials, increase your services, so seem as if you were inspired to do those duties which you tender to her. that you in all obey her. Save when command, when command to your dismission tends, and therein you are senseless.:
9: Senseless, not so. Enter a messenger.
1: So like you, sir, ambassadors from Rome. The one is Caius Lucius.
7: A worthy fellow, albeit he comes on angry purpose now, but that's no fault of his. We must receive him according to the honour of his sender and towards himself, his goodness forspent on us. We must extend our notice. Our dear son, when you have given good morning to your mistress, attend the Queen and us. We shall have need to employ you towards this Roman. Come, our Queen. Exempt all but Clotten. If she be up,
9: I'll speak with her. If not, let her lie still and dream. Knock, knock, knock. By your leave, ho! I know her women are about her. What if I do line one of their hands? Tis gold which buys admittance. Oft it doth, yea, and makes Diana's rangers false themselves, yield up their deer to the stand of the stealer. And tis gold which makes the true man killed and saves the thief. Nay, Sometime hangs both thief and true man. What can it not do and undo? I will make one of her women lawyer to me, for I yet not understand the case myself. No, no, no. By your leave.
10: Enter a lady. Who's there that knocks?
9: A gentleman. No more? Yes, and a gentle woe man's son.
10: That's more. Than some, whose tailors are as dear as yours, can justly boast of. What's your lordship's pleasure?
9: Your lady's person. Is she ready?
10: I to keep her chamber.
9: There is gold for you. Sell me your good report.
10: How? My good name? Or to report of you what I shall think is good? The princess!
9: Enter Imogen. Good morrow, fairest. Sister, your sweet hand.
10: Exit lady.
6: Good morrow, sir. You lay out too much pains for purchasing but trouble. The thanks I give is telling you that I am poor of thanks, and scarce can, uh, scarce can spare them.
9: <clears throat> still, I swear I love you.
6: If you but said so, twere a deep with me. If you swear still, your recompense is still that I regard it not.
9: This is no answer.
6: But that you shall not say, I yield, be silent, I would not speak. I pray you spare me. Faith, I shall unfold equal discourtesy to your best kindness. One of your great knowing should learn, being taught, forbearance.
9: To leave you in your madness toward my sin, I will not.
6: Fools are not mad folks.
9: Do you call me fool?
6: As I am mad, I do. If you'll be patient... I'll no more be mad, that cures us both. I am much sorry, sir, you put me to forget a lady's manners by being so verbal, and learn now for all that I, which know my heart, do here pronounce, by the very truth of it I care not for you, and am not so near the lack of charity to accuse myself I hate you, which I had rather you felt than makes me boast.
9: You sin against obedience, which you owe your father. For the contract you pretend with that base wretch, one bread of alms and fostered with cold dishes, with scraps of the court, it is no contract, none. And though it be allowed in meaner parties, yet who than, than he more mean to knit their souls on whom there is no more dependency, but brats and beggary in self-figured knot, yet You are curbed from that enlargement by the consequence of the crown, and must not soil the precious note of it with the base slate, a hilding for a livery, a squire's cloth, a pantler not so eminent.
6: Profane fellow, wert thou the son of Jupiter, and no more, but what thou art besides, thou wert too base to be his groom, thou wert disdainified enough. Even to the point of envy, if twere made com- comparative for your virtues to be styled the under hangmen of his kingdom and hated for being preferred so well.
5: The
9: south fog wrought him.
6: He never can meet more mischance than come to be but named of thee. His meanest garment that ever hath but clipped his body is dearer in my respect than all the hairs above thee, were they all made such men. How now, Pisanio?
0: Enter Pisanio.
9: His garment, now the devil.
6: To Dorothy, my woman, hide thee presently.
14: His garment.
6: I am spirited with a fool, frightened uh, and angered Worst, Go bid my woman search for a jewel that too casually hath left mine arm. It was thy master's. True me if I would lose it for a revenue or any kings in Europe. I do think I saw us this morning. Confident I am. Last night was on my arm. I kissed it. I hope it be not gone to tell my lord that I kissed aught but he.
8: Will not be lost.
6: I hope so. Go in search. Exit Pisanio.
9: You have abused me. His meanest garment.
6: Aye, I said so, sir. If you will make it an action... Call witness to it.
9: I will inform your father.
6: Your mother, too. She's my good lady and will conceive, I hope, but the worst of me. So I leave you, sir, to the worst of discontent. Exit.
9: I'll be revenged. His meanest garment. Well.
0: Exit.
4: Uh, scene four. Rome. Filario's house. Enter posthumous and Philario. Fear it not, sir. I would I were so sure to win the king's, as I am bold her honor will remain hers.
2: What means do you make to him?
4: Not any, but abide the change of time. Quake in the present winter state and wish that warmer days would come. In these seared hopes I barely gratify your love. They're failing, I must die much your debtor.
2: Your very goodness and your company, or pays all I can do. By this, your king hath heard of great Augustus. Caius Lucius will do his commission thoroughly, and I think he'll grant the tribute. Send the arrear- arrearages, or look upon our Romans, whose remembrance is yet fresh in their grief.
4: I do believe, statist though I am none, nor like to be, that this will prove a war, and you shall hear the legion now in Gaulia sooner landed, and our not fearing Britain than have tidings of any penny tribute paid. Our countrymen are more ordered than when Julius Caesar smiled at their lack of skill, but found their courage worthy his frowning at. Their discipline, now mingled with their courage, will make known to their approvers they are people such that mend upon the world.
0: Enter Iacomo. See, si, Iacomo!
4: The swiftest hearts have posted you by land and winds of all the corners, kissed your sails to make your vessel nimble.
2: Welcome,
11: sir.
4: I hope the briefness of your answer, made the speediness of your return.
11: Your lady is one of the fairest that I have looked upon.
4: And therewithal the best. Or let her beauty look through a casement to allure false hearts and be false with them.
11: Here are letters
4: for you. They're tenor good, I trust.
11: Tis very like.
2: Was Caius Lucius in the Briton court when you were there? He was expected
4: then, but not approached. All is well yet. Sparkles this stone as it was wont? Or it's not too dull for your good wearing?
11: <laughs> if I had lost it, I should have lost the worth of it in gold. I'll make a journey twice as far to enjoy a second night of sweet, such sweet shortness which was mine in Britain. For the
4: ring is one. <laughs> that stone's too hard to come by.
11: Mm, not a whit, your lady being so easy.
4: Make not, sir, your loss your sport. I hope you know that we must not continue friends.
11: But, sir, we must. If you keep covenant, had I not brought the knowledge of your mistress home, I grant we were to question further, but I now profess myself the winner of her honor, together with your ring, and not the wronger of her or you, having proceeded but by both your wills.
4: If you can make it apparent that you have... Tasted her in bed? My hand and ring is yours. If not, the foul opinion you had of her pure honor gains or loses your sword or mine, or masterless leaves both to who shall find them.
11: Sir, my circumstances, being so near the truth as I will make them, must first induce you to believe, whose strength I will confirm with oath, which, I doubt not, you'll give me leave to spare when you shall find you need it not. Proceed. Mm. First, her bedchamber, where, I confess, I slept not. But, Professor, Ed, that was well worth watching. It was a hang with tapestry of silk and silver. The story, proud Cleopatra, when she met her Roman, and Cydnus swelled above the banks, or for the press of boats, or pride. A piece of work so bravely done, so rich, that it did strive in workmanship and value, which I wondered could be so rarely and exactly, exactly
4: wrought since the true life on it was. This is true, and this you may have heard of here by me or some other.
11: More particulars must justify my knowledge.
4: So they must, or do your honor, injury.
11: Mm. The chimney itself, the chamber, and the chimney piece uh, chased Diane bathing. Never saw I figure so likely to report themselves— Cutter was, has another nature, dumb. Out went her motion and breath left out.
4: This is a thing which you might from relation likewise reap, being as it is much spoke of.
11: Ah, the roof or the chamber with golden cherubins is fretted. Her andirons ah, uh, I have forgot them, <laughs> were two winking cupids of silver, each on one foot standing nicely, depending on their bands.
4: This is her honor. Let it be granted you have seen all this, and praise be given to your remembrance. The description of what is in her chamber, nothing saves the wager you have laid.
11: Then, if you can. Showing the bracelet. Be pale, I beg but leave to air this jewel. See, and now to up again. It must be married to that, your diamond. I'll keep them.
4: Jove, once more let me beheld it, is it that which I left with her?
11: Sir, I thank her that she stripped it from her arm. I see her yet. Her pretty action did outsell her gift, yet enriched it too. She gave it me and said she prized it once.
4: Maybe she plucked it off to send it me.
11: She writes so to do you, doth she?
4: Oh, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. Tis true Here, take this to Gives The, the ring. basilisk unto mine eye Kills me to look on. Let there be no honor Where there is beauty Truth where semblance Love where there's another man The vows of women of no more bondage Be to where they are made Than they are to their virtues Which is nothing Oh, above measure, false
2: "'Have patience, sir, and take your ring again. "'Tis not yet won. "'It may be probable she lost it, "'or who knows if one of her women being corrupted "'hath stolen it from her.'"
4: "'Very true. "'And so I hope he came by it. "'Back my ring. "'Render to me some corporal sign about her "'more evident than this, for this was stolen.'"
11: "'By Jupiter, I had it from her arm.'"
4: "'Hark you, he swears. "'By Jupiter, he swears, tis true.' Nay, keep the ring. Tis true, I am sure she would not lose it. Her attendants are all sworn and honorable. They induced to steal it, and by a stranger. No, he hath enjoyed her. The cognizance of her inconstancy is this. He hath bought the name of whore. No, she hath bought the name of whore thus dearly. There, take thy hire, and all the fiends of hell divide themselves between you.
2: Sir, be patient, this is not strong enough to be believed of one persuaded
4: well uh- never talk on she hath been colted by him.
11: Um, if you seek for further satisfying under her breast worthy the person Lies a moor, right proud of that most delicate lodging ooh, by my life I kissed it, and it gave me present hunger to feed again, though full. You you do remember the stain upon her.
4: Aye. Mm. And it doth confirm another stain as big as hell can hold, were there no more but it.
11: Will you hear more?
4: Spare your arithmetic, never count the ta- never count the turns, once and a million I'll be sworn. No swearing. If you will swear you have not done, it. you lie, and I will kill thee. If thou dost deny thou'st made me a cuckold. I'll deny nothing. Oh, that I had her here to tear her limb meal. I will go there and do it. In the court, before her father, I'll do something. Exit.
2: Quite besides the government of patience, you have won. Let's follow him and pervert the present wrath he hath against himself. Mm, With on my heart. Exit.
0: Scene five, another room in Filario's house. Enter posthumous Leonatus.
4: Is there no way for men to be, but women must be half-workers? We are all bastards. And that most venerable man, which I did call my father, was I know not where when I was stamped. Some coiner with his tools made me a counterfeit, yet my mother seemed the Diane of that time, so doth my wife the nonpareil of this. Oh, vengeance! Vengeance! Me, of my lawful pleasure, she restrained and prayed me oft forbearance, did it with a pudency, so rosy the sweet viewant might well have warmed old Saturn, that I thought her as chaste as unsun snow. Oh, all the devils, this yellow Yakimo, in an hour, was not, or less, at first, perchance he spoke not, but like a full acorned boar, a German one cried, oh, and mounted, found no opposition, but what he looked for should oppose, and she should from encounter guard, could I find out the woman's part in me, for there's no motion that tends to vice in man. But I affirm it is the woman's part, be it lying, note it, the woman's, flattering, hers, deceiving, hers, lust and rank thoughts, hers, hers, revenges, hers, ambitions, covetings, change of pride, disdain, nice longings, slanders, mutability, all faults that may be named, nay, that hell knows why hers in part or all, but rather all, for even to vice they are not constant but are changing still one vice, but of a minute old for one not half so old as that. I'll write against them, detest them, curse them. Yet 'tis greater skill in a true hate to pray they have their will. The very devils cannot plague them better.
0: Exit. Act Three, Scene One. Britain, a hall in Cymbeline's palace. Enter in state Cymbeline, Queen, Cloughton, and lords at one door, and at another Cassius Lucius and attendants.
7: Now say, what would Augustus Caesar with us?
14: When Julius Caesar, whose remembrance yet lives in men's eyes and will to ears and tongues, by theme and hearing ever, was in this Britain, and conquered it, Cassiblan, thine uncle... Famous in Caesar's praises, no wit less than in his feats deserving it. For him and his succession granted Rome a tribute, yearly three thousand pounds, which by thee lately is left untendered.
3: And to kill the marvel shall be so ever.
14: There
9: be many Caesars, ere such another Julius. Britain is a world by itself, and we will nothing pay for wearing our own noses.
3: That opportunity, which then they had to take from to resume, we have again. Remember, sir, my liege, the kings your ancestors, together with the natural bravery of your isle, which stands as Neptune's park, ribbed and paled in with rocks, unscalable and roaring waters, with sands that will not bear your enemies' boats, but suck them up to the topmast. A kind of conquest Caesar made here, but made not here his brag of came and saw and overcame with shame, that first that ever touched him, he was carried from our coast, twice beaten, and his shipping, poor ignorant baubles, upon our terrible seas like eggshells, moved upon their surges, cracked, as easily gainst our, our rocks. For joy were of the famed Casablan, who was once at point, oh, giggled fortune, to master Caesar's sword, mid Lut's town with rejoicing fires bright in Britain's
9: strut with courage. Come, there's no more tribute to be paid. Our kingdom is stronger than it was at that time. And as I said, there is no more such seizures, such Caesars. Other of them may have crooked noses, but to owe such straight arms, none.
7: Son, let your mother end.
9: We have yet many among us can gripe as hard as Casablan. I do not say I am one, but I have a hand. Why tribute? Why should we pay tribute? If Caesar can hide the sun from us with a blanket or put the moon in his pocket, we will pay him tribute for light. Else, sir, no more tribute. Pray you now.
7: You must know till the injurious Romans did extort this tribute from us, we were free. Caesar's ambition, which swelled so much that it did almost stretch the sides of the world against all color, here did put the yoke upon us, which to shake off becomes a warlike people whom we reckon ourselves to be. We do say, then, to Caesar, our ancestor was that Mulmutius which ordained our laws, whose use the sword of Caesar hath too much mangled, whose repair and franchise shall, by the power we hold, be our good deed through Rome, though Rome be therefore angry. Mulmutius made our laws, who was the first Briton which did put his brows within a golden crown and called himself a king.
14: I am sorry, Cymbeline, that I am to pronounce Augustus Caesar Caesar, that hath more kings, his servants, than thyself domestic officers, thine enemy. Receive it from me, then. War and confusion in Caesar's name pronounce I against thee. Look for fury not to be resisted. Thus defied, I thank thee for thyself.
7: Thou art welcome, Caius. Thy Caesar knighted me. My youth I spent much under him. Of him I gathered honor, which he to seek of me again, perforce behooves me, keep it utterance. I'm perfect that the Pannonians and Dalmatians for their liberties are now in arms. The precedent, which not to read, would show the Britons cold. So Caesar shall not find them. Let proof speak.
9: His Majesty bids you welcome. Make pastime with us a day or two, or longer. If you seek us afterwards in other terms, you shall find us in our saltwater girdle. If you beat us out of it, it is yours. If you fall in the adventure, our crows shall fare the better for you, and there's an end. So, sir?
7: I know your master's pleasure, and he mine. All that remain is welcome.
0: Excellent. Scene two, another room in the palace. Enter Pisanio with a letter.
5: Scott? Mike on.
8: How? Of adultery? Wherefore write you not what monster her accuser? Leonidas, oh master. What a strange infection has fallen into thy ear. What false Italian is poisonous in this tongue dishanded, hath prevailed on thy too reedy heart. Disloyal? No. She's punished for her truth, and undergoes more goddess-like than wife-like, such assaults as would take in some virtue. O my master, thy mind to her is now as low as were thy fortunes. How? That I should murder her? Upon the love and truth and vows which I have made to thy command? I her? Her blood. If it be so to do good service, never let me be counted serviceable. How look I that I should seem to lack humanity so much as this fact comes to? Do it. The letter that I have sent her by her own command shall give thee opportunity. Damned it paper Black as the ink that's on thee. Senseless bauble, art thou a fettery for this act and look so virgin like without? Lo, here she comes. I am ignorant in what I am commanded.
5: Enter Imogen. Come now, Pisanio.
8: Madam, here is a letter from my lord.
6: Who, thy lord? That is my lord Leonatus? Oh, learned indeed were that astronomer that knew the stars as I his characters. He'd lay the future open. You good gods, let what is here contain relish of love, of my lord's health, of his content, yet not that we two are asunder, let that grieve him. Some griefs are medicinable, that is one of them. For it doth physic love, of his content, all but in, in that. Good wax, thy leave. Blessed be you bees that make these locks of counsel. Lovers and men in dangerous bonds pray not alike. Though fortifiers you cast in prison, yet you clasp young cupids' tables. Good news, gods! Justice and your father's wrath, should he take me in his dominion, could not be so cruel to me as you. O the dearest of creatures! Would even renew me with your eyes. Take notice that I am in Cambria, at Milford Haven. What your own love will out of this advise you follow. So he wishes you all happiness that remains loyal to his vow and your increasing in love. Leonatus Posthumus. Oh, for a horse that wings. Hearst thou, Pisanio? He is at Milford Haven. Read, and tell me, how far tis thither? If one of mean affairs may plot it in a week, Why may I not glide thither in a day? Then true Pisanio, who longs't me like me to see thy lord, Who longst, oh, let me bait, <laughs> but not like me, Yet longest, but in a fainter kind, Oh, not like me, for mine's beyond, beyond. Say, and speak thick, love's counsellors Should fill the bores of hearing. To the smothering of the sense, how far is it to this same blessed Milford? And by the way, tell me how Wales was made so happy as to inherit such a haven. But first of all, how we may steal from hence, and for the gap that we may shed that we shall make in time from our hence going and our return to excuse. But first, how get thence? Why should excuse be born or heir begot? We'll talk of that hereafter. Where speak, how, may, how many score of miles may we meld ridge, Twixt hour and hour?
8: One score, twixt sun and sun, madam. It's enough for you, and too much, too.
6: Why, one that rode to executions, man, could never go so slow. I have heard of riding wagers where horses have been nimbler than the sands That run in clocks hip behalf, but this is foolery. Go, bid my woman feign a sickness. Say she'll home to her father, and provide me presently a riding suit, no costlier than would fit a Franklin's housewife.
8: Madam, your best consider.
6: I see before me, man, nor here, nor here, nor what ensues, but have a fog in them that I cannot look through. Away, I prithee, do as I bid thee. There's no more to say. Accessible is none but Milford Way.
0: Exent. Scene three, Wales, a mountainous county with a cave. Enter from the cave, Belarius, Gadarius, and Arviragus, following.
15: Ah, goodly day to not keep house with such whose roof's as low as ours. Stoop, boys. This gate instructs you on how to adorn the heavens and bows you to a morning's holy office. The gates of the monarchs are arched so high that giants may jet through and keep their impious turbans on, without good morrow to the sun. Hail thou fair heaven! (laughs) We house in that rock, yet yet use thee not so hardly as prouder lovers do.
12: Hail heaven! Hail heaven!
15: Now, for the mountain sport, up to yond hill. Your legs are young, I'll tread these flats. (laughs) Consider when you, are, uh, when you above perceive me like a crow, that this place which lessens and sets off, and you may then resolve what tales I have told you of courts, of princes, of the tricks of war. The service is not service, so being done, but being so allowed. To hap- apprehend thus draws us a profit from all things we see, and often, t- to our comfort, shall we find a sharded beetle in a safer hold than is the full-winged eagle." Oh, this life is nobler than attending for a check It's richer than doing nothing for a bauble Prouder than rustling in unpaid-for silk Such gain the cap of him that makes him fine
12: Yet keeps his book uncrossed No life to ours Out of your proof we speak We poor, unfledged Have never winged from you view of the nest Or know not what airs from a home Happily this life is best if quiet life be best, sweeter to you that have the, a sharper known, while corresponding with your stiff age. But unto us it is a cell of ignorance, traveling abed, a prison for a debtor that dares not to stride a limit.
16: What should we speak of when we are as old as you? When we shall hear the rain and wind beat dark December? How in this our pinching cave shall we discourse the freezing hours away? We have seen nothing. We are beastly, subtle as the fox for prey, like warlike as the wolf for what we eat. Our valor is to chase what flies. Our cage we make a choir as doth the prisoned bird and sing our bondage freely. How you speak!
15: Did you but know the city's unsureies and felt them knowingly? The art of court, as hard to keep as keep, whose top to climb is certain falling, or so slippery that the fear's as bad as falling. The toil of war, a pain that only seems to seek out danger in the name of fame and honor, which dies in the search, and hath as oft a slanderous epitaph as record of fair acts. Nay, many times doth ill deserve by doing well. What's worse? must curtsy at the censure. Oh, boys, this story the world may read in me. My body's marked with Roman swords, and my report was once first with the best of note. Cymbeline loved me, and when a soldier was the theme, my name was not far off. Then was I as a tree whose boughs did bend with fruit, but... And one night, a storm or robbery, call it what you will, shook down my mellow hangings, nay, my leaves, and let me bear to weather.
12: Uncertain favor.
15: My fault being nothing, as I have told you oft, but two villains, whose false oaths prevailed before my perfect honor, swore to Cymbeline I was confederate with the Romans. So followed my banishment, and this twenty years, this rock and these demenses have been my world. Where I have lived at honest freedom, paid more pious debts to heaven than in all the foreign of my time. But up to the mountains. This is not Hunter's language. (laughs) He that strikes the Venetian first shall be the lords of the feast, to him the other shall minister. And we will fear no poison which attends the place of greater
0: state. I'll meet you in the valleys. Exit Guderius and Arviragus
15: how hard it is to hide the spark of nature these boys know little that they are sons to the king nor sibling dreams that they are alive they think they are mine and though trained up thus meanly in the cave where they bow their thoughts do hit the ribs of palaces and nature prompts them in simple and low things to prince it much beyond the trick of others the Polydor, the heir to Cymbeline in Britain, who the king his father called Guidarius. <laughs> Jove! When on my three-foot stool I sit and tell the warlike feats I have done, his spirits fly out into my story, say, Thus mine enemy fell, and thus I set my foot on his neck. <laughs> Even then the princely blood flows in his cheeks and he sweats. Strains his young nerves and puts himself in posture that acts my words. the younger brother Cadwell, whence arv- whatever that name is, sorry, son, uh, in as like a figure strikes into my speech and shows much more of his own conceiving. Hark, the game is roused, <laughs> oh symboline, heaven in my conscience knows thou didst unjustly banish me. Whereon, at three and two years old, I, I stole these babes, thinking to bar thee of succession, as thou reps me of my lands. Your file, thou wast their nurse; they took thee for their mother, and and every day do honour her grave. Myself, Belarius, that I am Morgan called, they take for natural father.
0: Well, the game is up. Exit. Scene four, country near Milford Haven, enter Pisanio and Imogen. Thou told me when we
6: came from horse, the place was near at hand. Ne'er longed my mother so to see me first as I have now. Pisanio, man, where is posthumous? What is, what in the, my, thy mind that makes thee stare thus? Wherefore breaks that scythe from inward of thee? One that painted thus would be interpreted a thing perplexed beyond self-explication, but thyself into a haviour of less fear, ere wilderness vanquish my stater senses. What's the matter? Why tenderest thou that paper to me with a look
5: untender? If it be summer news, smile to it before. If winterly thou needst but keep that countenance still. My husband's hand. That drug damned Italy hath outcrafted him, and
6: he's at some hard point. Speak, man, thy tongue may take off some extremity, which to read would be even mortal to me.
5: Please you read, and you shall find me, wretched man, the thing the most disdained of fortune.
6: Thy mistress, Pisanio hath played the strumpet in my bed, the testimonies whereof lies bleeding in me. I speak not out of weak surmises, but that a proof of strong as grief and as certain as I expect my revenge. That part thou, Pisanio, must act for me, if thy faith be not tainted with the breach of hers. Let thine own hand take away her life, I shall give thee opportunity at Milford Haven. She hath my letter for the purpose, where if thou fear to strike and to make me certain it is done, thou art the pander to her dishonor and equally to me disloyal.
5: What shall I need
8: to draw my sword? The paper hath cut her throat already. No, tis slander whose edge is sharper than the sword, whose tongue outvenoms all the worms of Nile, whose breath Rides on the posting winds, and doth belie all corners of the world, kings, queens, and states,
5: maids, matrons, nay, the secrets of the grave this viperous slander enters. What cheer, madam? False to his bed? What is it to
6: be false? To lie in watch there, and to think on him? To weep, twixt clock and clock? Is sleep change nature to break it with a fearful dream of him, and cry myself awake? That's false tooth bed, is it?
5: Alas, good lady I false Thy conscience witness
6: Yakimo, thou didst accuse him of incontinency. Thou then look'st like a villain. Now methinks thy favour is good enough. Some Jay of Italy, whose mother was her painting, hath betrayed him. Poor I am stale, a garment out of fashion, and for I am richer than to hang by the walls, I must be ripped, to pieces with me. Oh, men's vows are women's traitors. All good seeming by thy revolt, O husband, shall be thought put on for villainy. Not born wears grows. But worn a bait for ladies.
8: Good madam, hear me.
6: True, honest men being heard, like false Aeneas, Were in his time thought false, And Sinon's weeping did scandal many a holy tear, Took pity from most true wretchedness, So thou, posthumous, wilt lay the heaven on a proper man. Goodly and gallant shall be false and perjured From thy great foe. come. Fellow, be thou honest. Do thou thy master's bidding. When thou seest him, a little witness my obedience. Look, I draw the sword myself. Take it and hit the innocent mansion of my love, my heart. Fear not, tis empty of all things but grief. Thy master is not there, who was indeed the riches of it.
5: Do his bidding, strike. Thou mayst be valiant in a better cause, But now thou seem'st a coward. Ah! Hence thy vile instrument. Thou shalt not damn my hand. Why, I must die.
6: And if I do not by thy hand, Thou art no servant of thy masters. Against self-slaughter there is a prohibition so divine That cravens my weak hand. Come, here's my heart. Something afort. Soft, soft will no defense, obedient as the scabbard. What is here? The scriptures of loyal Leonidas, all turned to heresy. Away, away, corrupters of my faith, you shall no more be stomachers to my heart. Thus may poor fools believe false teachers. Though those that are betrayed do feel the treason sharply, yet the traitor stands in worse case of woe, and thou, posthumous. That didst set up my disobedience against the king, my father, and make me put into contempt the suits of princely fellows. Shall hereafter find it is no act of common passage, but a strain of rareness. And I grieve myself to think, when thou shalt be disedged by her that now thou tirest on, how thy memory will then be panged by me. Prithee, dispatch! The lamb entreats the butcher. Where's thy knife? Thou art too slow to do thy master's bidding when I desire it too. O
8: oh, gracious lady, since I have received command to do this business, I have not slept one week. Do it, and to bed then. I wake mine eyeballs blind first.
6: Wherefore then didst undertake it? Why hast thou abused so many miles with a pretense? This place, mine action, and thine own? Our horse's labor, the time inviting thee, the perturbed court for my being absent, whereunto I never purpose return. Why hast thou gone so far to be unbent when thou hast taken thy stand the election dear before thee?
8: But to win time, to lose so bad employment in the which I have considered the course good lady hear me with patience
6: talk thy tongue weary speak i have heard i am a strumpet and mine ear therein false struck can take no greater wound nor tend to bottom that but speak
8: then madam i thought you would not back again
6: most like bringing me here to kill me
8: not so neither but if i were as wise as honest And my purpose would prove well. It cannot be but that my master is abused. Some villain, I, and a singular in his art, hath done you both this cursed injury.
6: Some Roman
8: courtesan? No, on my life. I'll give but notice you are dead, and send him some bloody sign of it, for it is commanded I should do so. You... Shall be missed at court, and that will well confirm it.
6: My good fellow, what shall I do the while? Where bide? How live? Or in my life, what comfort when I am dead to my husband?
8: If you'll back to the court,
6: no court, no father, nor no more ado with that harsh, noble, simple nothing, that Claudon, whose love suit hath been to me a fearful as a siege.
8: If not at court, then not in Britain you must bide.
6: Where then hath Britain all the sun that shines, day, night? Are they not but in Britain? In the world's volume, our Britain seems as of a of it, but not in it. In a great pool of swan's nest, for they think there's livers out of Britain.
8: I am most glad you think of other places. The ambassador, Lucius the Roman, comes to Milford Haven tomorrow. Now, if you could wear a mind, dark as your fortune is, and but disguise that which to appear itself must not yet be but by self-danger, you should tread a course, pretty and full of view, yea, happily near the residence of Posthumus. So nigh at least, that though his actions were not visible, yet report should render him hourly to your ear as truly as he moves.
6: Oh, for such means, a peril to my modesty. Not death on it, I would not have adventure.
8: Well then, here's the point. You must forget to be a woman. Change command into obedience. Fear and niceness, the, the handmaids of all women, or most truly woman, it's pretty self, into a waggish courage, ready in jibes, quick answered, saucy, and as querulous as the weasel. Nay, you must forget that rarest treasure of your cheek, exposing it, but, oh, harder heart, I lack no remedy to the greedy touch of common-kissing titan, and forget your laboursome and dainty trims wherein you make great Juno angry.
6: Nay, be brief. I see unto thy end, and am most, almost a man already.
8: First, make yourself but like one. For thinking this, I have already fit. Tis my cloak-bag, doublet, hat, hose, all that answer to that would you in their serving? And with what imitation you can borrow from your youth of such a reason? For nobles Lucius, present yourself. Desire his service. Tell him wherein you're happy, which you'll make him know, if that his head have ear in music. Doubtless with joy, he will embrace you, for he's honorable and doubling that most holy. You are means abroad. You have me, rich. And I will never fail, beginning nor supplement.
6: Thou art all the comfort the gods will die at me. Prithee away, there's more to be considered. But will even all that good time give us? This attempt I am soldier to, and will abide it with a prince's courage. Away, I prithee.
8: Well, madam... We must take short farewell, lest being missed, I be suspected of your carriage from the court. My noble mistress, here is a box. I had it from the queen. What's in it is precious. If you are sick at sea or stomach qualmed at land, a dram of this will drive away distemper to some shade and fit you to your manhood. May the gods. Direct you to the best.
0: Amen. I thank thee. exempt severally. Scene five, a room in Cymbeline's palace. Enter Cymbeline, Queen, Clotin, Lucius, lords, and attendants.
5: Thus far, let's so farewell.
14: Thanks, royal sir. My emperor hath wrote, I must from hence, and I'm right sorry that I must report ye my master's enemy.
7: Our subjects, sir, will not endure his yoke, and for ourselves to show less sovereignty than they must needs appear unkinglike.
14: So, sir, I desire of you a conduct over land to Milford Haven. Madam, all joy befall your grace. And
3: you
7: My lords, you are appointed to that office, the due of honour in no point omit. So farewell, noble Lucius.
14: Your hand, my lord. Receive it friendly. But from this time forth, I wear it as your enemy. Sir, the event is yet to name the winner. Fare you well.
7: Leave not the worthy, leave not the worthy Lucius, good my lords, till he have crossed the Severn. Happiness.
0: Exit Lucius and
7: lords.
3: He goes hence frowning, but it honours us that we have given him cause.
9: Tis all the better. Your valiant Britons have their wishes in it.
7: Lucius hath wrote already to the emperor how it goes here. It fits us, therefore, ripely, our chariots and our horsemen be in readiness. The powers that he he already hath in Gallia will soon be drawn to head from whence he moves his war for Britain.
3: Tis not sleepy business, but must be looked to speedily
7: and strongly. Our expectation that it would be thus hath made us forward. But, my gentle queen, where is our daughter? She hath not appeared before the Roman nor to us hath tendered the duty of the day. She looks us like a thing more made of malice than of duty. We've noted it. Call her before us, for we have been too slight in sufferance. Exit
0: and attendant. Royal sir, since
3: the exile of Posthumus, most retired hath her life been, the cure whereof my lord, tis time must do. Beseech your majesty, forbear sharp speeches to her. She's a lady. So tender of rebukes that words are strokes and strokes death to her.
7: Re-enter an attendant. Where is she, sir? How can her contempt be answered?
10: Please you, sir. Her chambers are all locked and there's no answer that will be given to the loudest noise we make.
3: My lord, when, I, when last I went to visit her, she prayed me to excuse her keeping close. Were you constrained by her infirmity, she should that duty leave unpaid to you. Which daily she was bound to proffer, this she wished me to make known, but our great court made me to blame in memory.
7: Her door's locked, not seen of late. Grant, heavens, that which I fear prove false.
3: Exit. Son, I say, follow the
9: king. That man of hers, Pisanio, her old servant, have not seen these two days.
3: Go, look after. Exit, Clotten. Pisanio. Thou thou stand'st for posthumous, he hath a drug of mine, I pray his absence proceed by swallowing that, For he believes it is a thing most precious. But for her, where is she gone? Haply despair hath seized her, Or, winged with fervor of her love, She's flown to her desired posthumous. Gone she is to death, or to dishonor, At my end can make good use of either. She being down, I have the placing of the British crown.
0: We enter Clotin.
3: How now, my son?
9: Certain she is fled. Go in and cheer the king. He rages. None dare come about him.
3: All the better, may the night forestall him of the coming day. Exit.
9: I love and hate her, for she's fair and royal, and that she hath all courtly parts more exquisite than lady ladies woman from everyone the best she hath, and she of all compounded outsells them all i love her therefore but disdaining me and throwing favors on the low posthumous slander so her judgment that what's else rare is choked and in that point i will conclude to hate her nay indeed to be revenged upon her for when sh- when fools shall
0: enter pisanio
9: who is here what, are you packing, sirrah? Come hither, you precious pander. Villain, where is thy lady? In a word, or else thou art straightway with the fiends. Oh, good, my lord. Where is thy lady? Or by Jupiter, I will not ask again. Close villain, I'll have this secret from thy heart, or rip thy heart to find it. Is she with Posthumus? from whose so many weights of baseness cannot a dram of worth be drawn?
8: Alas, my lord, how can she be with him? When was she missed? He
9: is in Rome. Where is she, sir? Come nearer. No further halting. Satisfy me home. What is become of her? Oh, my all-worthy lord. All-worthy villain. Discover where thy mistress is at once, at the next word. No more of worthy lord speak, or thy silence on the instant is thy condemnation and thy death.
8: Then, sir... This paper is the history of my knowledge touching her flight.
0: Presenting a letter.
9: Let's see it. I will pursue her even to Augustus's throne.
8: Were this or perish, she's far enough, and what he learns by this may prove his travel, not her danger. Hmm. I'll write my lord she's dead. Oh, Imogen. Safe mayst thou wander, safe
5: return
9: again. sirrah. Is this letter true? Sir, as I think. It is posthumous hand. I know it. Sir, uh, if thou wouldst not be a villain, but do me true service, undergo those employments wherein I should have cause to use thee with a serious industry. That is, with what villainy soever I bid thee do to perform it directly and truly. I would think thee an honest man. Thou shouldst neither want my means for thy relief, nor my voice for thy preferment.
8: Well, my good lord.
9: Wilt thou serve me? For since patiently and constantly thou hast stuck to the bare fortune of that beggar posthumous, thou canst not, in the course of gratitude, but be a diligent follower of mine. Wilt thou serve me? Sir, I will. Give me thy hand. Here's my purse. Hast any of thy late master's garments in my possession? I have, my lord, at my lodging,
8: the same suit he wore when he took leave of my lady and mistress.
9: The first service thou doest me. Fetch that suit hither. Let it be thy lint service. Go.
8: I shall,
4: my lord. Exit.
9: Meet thee at Milford Haven. I forgot to ask him one thing. I'll remember anon. Even there, thou villain posthumous, will I kill thee. I would these garments were come. She said upon a time, the bitterness of it I now belch from my heart that she held the very garment of posthumous in more respect than my noble and natural person together with the adornment of my qualities. With that suit upon my back will I ravish her, first kill him, and in her eyes there shall she see my valor, which will then be a torment to her contempt. He on the ground, my speech of insultment ended on his dead body, and when my lust hath died, which... As I say, to vex her, I will execute in the clothes that she so prays. To the court, I'll knock her back, foot her home again. She hath despised me rejoicingly, and I'll be merry in my revenge. Be those the garments.
8: Aye, my noble lord.
9: How long is it since she went to Milford Haven? She can scarce be there yet. Bring this apparel to my chamber. That is the second thing that I have commanded thee. The third is that thou wilt be a voluntary mute to my design. Be but duteous, and true preferment shall tender itself to thee. My revenge is now at Milford. Would I had wings to follow it? Come and be true. Exit.
8: Thou hmm. uh, bids me to my loss. But true to thee you are to prove tr- false, which I will never be to him that is most true. To Milford go. And find not her whom thou pursuest. Flow, flow, you heavenly blessings on her. This fool's speed be crossed with slowness. Labor be his need.
0: Exit. Scene six wails before the cave of Belarius. Enter Imogen in boy's clothes.
6: I see a man's life is a tedious one. I have tired myself, and for two nights together have made the ground my bed. I should be sick, but that my resolution helps me. Milford, when from a mountaintop Pisanio showed thee, thou wast within a ken, a jove, I think, foundations fly the wretched. Such, I mean, where thy should be relieved. Two beggars told me I could not miss the way. Will poor folks lie that have afflictions on them, knowing it is a punishment of trial Yes, no wonder, which rich ones scarce tell true. To lapse in fullness is sorer than to lie for need, and falsehood is worse in kings than beggars. My dear Lord, thou art one of the false ones. Now I think on thee, thou art. My hunger's gone. But even before, I was at point to sick for food. But what is this? Here is a path to it, to some savage hold. I were best not call, I dare not call. Yet famine, ere clean it throw nature, makes it valiant. Plenty and peace breeds cowards, hardness ever of hardiness is mother. Ho, who's here? If anything that's civil, speak. If savage... Take on lend. Ho! No answer? Then I'll enter. Best draw my sword. And if mine enemy but fear the sword like me, as scarcely look on it. Such a foe, good
0: heavens. Exit to the cave. Enter Belarius, Gadarius, and Arivaragus.
5: Arivaragus. Ardur- right.
0: <laughs> or whatever it is.
15: <laughs> you, Polydor, are proved best woodman and are master of the feast. Cadwell and I will play the cook and It mm. Is our match. The sweat of industry would dry and die, but for the end it works, too. Come, her stomachs will make what's homely savory. Weariness can snore upon the flint when rusty sloth finds the down pillow hard. Now peace be here, poor house that keepest thyself.
5: Mm. I'm thoroughly weary.
16: <laughs> I am weak with toil, yet strong in appetite.
12: Ah, there's cold meat in the cave. We'll browse on that whilst, we ha- whilst what we have killed be cooked. Stay,
15: come not in. But that it eats our victuals, I should think here we're a fairy. What's the matter, sir? My Jupiter, an angel or if not an earthly paragon, behold the divineness, no elder than a
0: boy. Re-enter Imogen. Good
6: masters, harm me not. Before I entered here I called, and thought to have begged or bought what I have took. Good troth, I have stolen not, nor would not, though I had found gold strewed in the floor. Here's money for thy meat. I would have left it on the board so soon as I had made my meal, and parted with prayers for the provider. Money, (laughs) youth? All gold and silver rather turn to dirt. It is no better reckoned but of those who worship dirty gods. I see you're angry. No, if you kill me, for my fault I should have died had I not made it. Whither bound? To Milford Haven. What's your name? Fideli, sir. I have a kinsman who is bound for Italy. He embarked at Milford. To whom, being going almost spent with hunger, I am fallen in this offence.
15: Prithee, fair youth, think us no churls, nor measure our good minds by this rude place we live in. Well encountered. Tis almost night. You shall have better cheer ere you depart, and thanks to stay and eat it. Boys, bid him welcome.
12: Were you a woman, youth? I would woo you hard. I would woo hard, but be your groom. <laughs> And honesty, I'd bid for you as I'd buy. I'll make it my comfort. He is a man.
16: I'll love him as my brother, and such a welcome as I'd give to him after long after a long absence, such as yours. Most welcome.
6: Be sprightly, for you fall amongst friends. Amongst friends? If brothers would it had been so that they had been my father's sons, and had my prize been less, and so more equal ballasting to thee, posthumous. He rings at some distress.
12: What I could it?
6: Or I, whate'er it
16: be, what pain it cost, what danger, gods, hark,
6: boys. Great men, that hard a court no bigger than this cave, that did attend themselves and had the virtue which there own conscience sealed them, laying by that nothing gift of differing multitudes could not outpeer these twain. Pardon me, gods. I'll change my sex to be a companion with them, since Leonidas faults.
5: It'll be so.
15: Boys, we'll go dress our hunt. Fair youth, come in. Discourse is heavy fasting. When we have supped, we'll mannerly demand thee of thy story so far as thou wilt speak it.
12: Pray, draw near.
16: The night to the owl and morn to the lark, less welcome.
6: Thanks,
0: sir. I pray, draw near. Excellent.
5: Scene seven Rome, a public place, enter two senators and tribunes. I know I assigned these roles.
0: I know I did. <laughs> Do you need me to check the cast
1: list? I'm second. I don't know who first Senator. is. Lita.
0: <laughs> Lita. Oh, no. Lita Grublin. Where are you?
8: She's speaking.
0: She, yeah, but we can't mute in. She's not muted. We can't hear her. She's not muted. What's happening to your mic, Lita Brillman? Professional podcaster, Lita (laughs) Brillman. Doesn't have a working mic? Can you hear me now? Yeah. Sort of. Just speak up.
10: Apparently my headphones broke, but I was was on it. I was speaking. Okay.
0: Okay. (laughs) Back to ones, people. Okay. Okay, I'm going to reset the scene, actually. There we go. (laughs) Scene seven. Rome, a public place. Enter two senators and tribunes.
10: This is the tenor of the emperor's writ, that since the common man are now in action against the Pannonians and the Dalmatians, and that the legions now in Galia are full weak to undertake our wars against the fallen-off Britons, that we do incite the gentry to this business. He creates Lucius Preconsul, and to you, the tribunes, for this immediate levy he commands his absolute commission. Long live Caesar. Is Lucius
2: General of the forces? Aye. Remaining now in Gallia.
10: With those legions which I have spoke of whereunto your levy must be suppliant, the words of your commission will tie you to the numbers and the time of their dispatch.
0: We will discharge our duty. Exit. Act 4, Scene 1, Wales near the cave, near the cave of Belarius. Enter Clotten.
9: I am near to the place where they should meet if Pisanio have mapped it truly. How fit his garments serve me! Why should his mistress, who was made by him that made the tailor, not be fit too? the rather saving reverence of the world of the word. For to set a woman's fitness comes by fits. Therein I must play the workman. I dare speak it to myself, for it is not vain glory for a man and his glass to confer in his own chamber. I mean, the lines of my body are as well drawn as his, no less young, more strong, not beneath him in fortunes, beyond him in the advantage of the time, above him in birth, alike conversant in general services and more remarkable in single oppositions. Yet Yet this imperceivant thing loves him in my despite. What mortality is. Posthumous, thy head, which now is growing upon thy shoulders, shall within this hour be off. Thy mistress enforced, thy garments cut to pieces before thy face, and all this done spurn her home to her father. Who may haply be a little angry for my so rough usage. But my mother, having power of his testiness, shall turn all into my co- commendations. My horse is tied up safe, outsword, and to a sore purpose. Fortune, put them into my hand. This is the very description of their meeting place, and the fellow dares not deceive me.
0: Exit. Scene two before the cave of Belarius. Enter from the cave, Belarius, Gudarius. Uh, Aragus <laughs> and Imogen. I can't do it. <laughs> you are not well. Remain here in the cave, we'll come to
15: you after hunting.
16: Brother, stay here. Are we not brothers? Are we not
6: brothers? Imagine you're on mute. Hmm? My turn to screw it up. <laughs> So man and man should be, but clay and clay differs in dignity, whose dust is both alike. I am very sick. Go you to hunting. I'll abide with him. So sick I am not, yet I am not well. But not so citizen a wanton as to seem to die sick. So please you, leave me. Stick to your journal course. The breach of custom is breach of all. I am ill. But your being by me cannot amend me. Society is no comfort to one not sociable. I am not very sick, since I can reason of it. Pray you trust me here. I'll rob none but myself, and let me die stealing so poorly. I love thee. I have spoke it. how much the quantity,
12: the weight as much, as I do love my father. What?
16: how how if it be a sin to say so i yoke me in my good brother's fault i know not why i love this youth and i have heard you say love's reason without reason the beer at the door and demand who is it shall die i'd say my father not this youth
15: oh noble strain worthiness of nature breed of greatness Cowards, father cowards, and base things, sire base. Nature hath meal and bran, contempt and grace. I'm not their father, yet who this this should be doth miracle itself loved before me? Tis the ninth hour or the morn.
5: Brother, farewell. I wish ye sport. You health, so please you, sir. These are kind creatures. Gods, what lies I have heard. Our courtiers
6: say all savage, but at court. Experience, oh, thou disprovest report. The imperious seas breeds monsters, for thy dish poor tributary rivers as sweet fish. I am sick, still heart-sick. Cassanio, I'll now taste of thy drug. Swallows some.
12: Could not stir him. He said he was gentle, but unfortunate, dishonestly afflicted, but yet honest. Thus did
16: he answer me, yet said hereafter I might know more. To the field, to the field. We'll leave you for this time. Go, go in and rest. We'll not be long away.
15: Pray be not sick, for you must be our housewife. <laughs> well or ill, I am bound to you. And shalt be ever exit image into the cave this youth however distressed
12: appeared he hath good ancestors how angel-like he sings but his neat cookery mm, he cuts our roots in characters he sauces our broths as chino had been sick and he her dieter
16: nobly he yokes a smiling with a sigh as if the sigh was that it was for not being such a smile the smile mocking the sigh that it would fly from so divine a temple to commix with winds that sailors rail it.
12: I do note that grief and patience, rooted in him both, mingle their spurs together. Grow
16: patience, and let the stinking elder grief untwine his perishing group with the increasing vine. It's a great morning. C- come away.
0: Who's there? Enter Clotin.
9: I cannot find those runagates. That villain hath mocked me. I am faint.
15: Those runagates? Means he not us? I partly know him. Is Cloughton, the son of the queen. I fear some ambush. I saw him not these many years, and yet I, I, I know, tis he. We are held as outlaws. Hence,
12: he is but one. You and my brother search what companies are near. Pray
0: you, away. Let me alone with him. Exent Valerius and Everagus.
9: Soft, what are you that fly me thus? Some villain mountaineers? I have heard of such. What slave art thou?
12: A thing. More slavish than ne'er no answer, ne'er no than answering a slave without a knock.
9: Thou art a robber, a lawbreaker, a villain. Yield thee, thief.
12: <laughs> to who? To thee? What art thou? Have not I an arm as big as thine, a heart as big? Thy words, I grant, are bigger, for I wear not my dagger in my mouth. Say what thou art, why should I yield to thee? Thou villain
9: base, knowest me not by my clothes.
12: (laughs) No, nor thy tailor, rascal, who is thy grandfather. He made those clothes which, as it seems, make thee. Thou
9: precious varlet, my tailor made them not.
12: Hence them and thank the man that gave them thee. Thou art some fool, and loath to beat thee.
9: Thou oh, injurious thief, hear but my name and tremble.
12: <laughs> What's thy name?
9: Clotin, thou villain.
12: Oh, Clotin, thou double villain be thy name. I cannot tremble at it. Were it toad, or adder, spider would move me more sooner
9: to thy further fear nay to thy mere confusion thou shalt know i am son to the queen i'm sorry for
12: it not seeming so worthy as thy birth
5: art not afeared.
12: those that i reverence those i fear the wise and fools i laugh not fear them
9: Oh, die the death! When I have slain thee with my proper hand, I'll follow those that even now fled hence. And on the gates of Ludstown set your heads. Yield, rustic mountaineer.
0: Exempt fighting. Re-enter Valerius and Averagus. No companies abroad? None in the world. You did mistake him,
15: sure. I cannot tell. Long is it since I saw him, but time hath nothing blurred those lines of favor which then he wore. The snatches in his voice and the burst of speaking were as his now, I am absolute. Twas very Clotten.
16: in this place we left them. I wish my brother made good time with him. You say he is so fell be scarce made up i I mean
15: to man he had not he had not apprehension of roaring terrors for the effort of judgment is off the cause of fear but but see, see thy brother
0: re-enter greus with Claton's head was a fool. An empty purse.
12: There was no money in it. <laughs> Aunt Hercules could have knocked out his brains, for he had none. Yet I did not. Yet I'm not doing this. The fool had borne my head as I now do his. What hast thou done? I am perfect, what? Cut off one Clotten's head. the queen after his own report. Who called me a traitor, a mountaineer, and swore with his own single hand he'd take us and displace our heads where, thanks to God, they grow, and set them on Ludstown. They're all undone. Our worthy father, what have we to lose but that he swore to take our lives? The law protects us not. Then why should we be tender to let an arrogant piece of flesh threat us, play judge and executioner all himself, for we do fear the law? What company discover you abroad?
15: No single soul can we set our eye on, but in all safe reason he must have some attendance. Though his humor was nothing but mutation, I, and that from one bad thing to worse, not frenzy, not, not absolute madness could have could so far have raved to bring him here alone. Oh although perhaps It may be heard at court that such as we cave here, hunt here, are outlaws, and and in the time may make some stronger head, which he hearing, as it is like him, might break out and swear he'll fetch us in. Yet it's it's not probable to come alone, either he so undertaking or they so suffering, that on good ground we fear. If we do fear this bodily this body hath tail more
16: prayerless than the head let ordinance come as the gods forsay it, howsoever my brother hath done well.
15: Oh, I had no mind to hunt this day. The boy Fideli's sickness did make my way long forth.
12: his own sword, which he did wave against my throat, I has taken the, I have taken his head from him. I'll throw into the creek beyond our rock and let it to the sea and tell the fishes he is the queen's son,. <sighs> That's all I rack.
15: I fear t'will be revenged. With Polydor, thou hast not done it. Although valor becomes thee well enough.
16: Would I have done it? So the revenge alone pursued me. Polydor, I love thee brotherly, but envy much that thou hast robbed me of this deed. I would revenges that possible strength might meet and would seek us through and put us to our answer. Well, tis done.
15: We had no more today, nor seek for danger where there's no profit. I prithee, to our rock, you and Fideli play the cooks, and I'll stay till hasty Polydor return and bring him to dinner pres- pe- presently.
16: Poor sickle, Fide- poor f- sick Fidel. I'll wearingly to him to gain his color, and uh, let a parish of such clotten's blood and praise myself for charity. Exit.
15: Thou, thou goddess... O oh, divine nature, how thyself thou blazest in these two princely boys They are as gentle as zephyrs blowing below the violet, nod wagering his sweet head, and yet as rough their royal blood and chafes as the rudest wind by the top doth make the mountain pine and make him stoop to the veil. Does wonder that an invisible instinct should frame them to royalty, royalty unlearned. Honor untaught, civility not seen from other, valor that wildly grows in them, yet yields a crop as if it had been sowed. Yet still it's strange what Clotin being here has portends, or what his death will bring
12: us.
0: Reenter Gadarius.
12: Where's my brother? I sent Clotin's clot bowl down the stream in embassy to his mother, his body's hostage, for his return.
15: My genius instrument. Hark, Polydor, it, it sounds, but but what occasion have Cadwell now to give it motion? Hark. Is he at home? He would hence even now.
12: What does he mean? Since, de- since death my dearest mother did not speak before. A solemn thing should answer solemn accidents. The matter? Triumphs for nothing, and lamenting cho- toys is jollity for apes and grief for boys. Is all mad?
15: Uh, look! Look! Here he comes, and brings the dire occasion in his arms of what we blame him for.
0: Re-enter Arvagus with Imogen as dead, bearing her in his arms. The bird is
16: dead that we have made so much on. I'd rather that we have skipped from 16 years of age to 60 to have turned my leaping time into a crutch than have seen this.
12: Sweetest, fairest lily, my brother wears thee not the one half so well as thou and thou grewst thyself. Oh
15: melancholy, whoever yet could sound thy bottom, find the ooze to show what coast thy sluggish prayer might earliest harbor in, the blessed thing. Jove knows what man thou mightest have made, but I, thou dietest the most rare boy of melancholy. How found you him?
16: Stark as you see, the smiling as some fly had tickled slumber, not as death's dart, being laughed at, his right cheek reposing on a cushion. Where? On the floor his arms thus leagued. I thought he slept and put my clouted brogues from off my feet, whose rudeness answered my steps too loud.
12: Why, he, he but sleeps. If he be gone, he'll make his grave a bed. Female fairies, his tomb be haunted, and worms will not come to thee.
16: With fairest flowers will summer lasts, and I live here, Fideli, I'll sweeten thy sad grave. Thou shalt not lack the flower that, like thy face, pale primrose, nor the azured harebell like thy veins. No, nor the leaf of Eglantine, whom not to slander, out-sweetened, not thy breath. The ruddock wood with charitable bill. Oh, bill, sore shaming, those rich left heirs that let their fathers lie, without a monument. Bring thee all this, yea, and... Fird moss, besides when flowers are none to winter, ground thy course.
12: Prithee, have done. Do not play in wench like words with, with that which is so serious. Let us bury him and not protract with admiration what is now we do debt to the grave. Say, where shall we lay him? By good Ariflu,
16: our mother. Be it so. And let us, Polydor, though now our voices have got them mannish cracks, sing him to the ground, as once our mother used, like note and words. Save that your, your file must be fideli. At all,
12: I cannot sing. I'll weep and word it with thee, for notes of sorrow out of tune are worse than priests and fanes that lie.
15: We'll speak it then. Great griefs I see medicine the less for clotton is quite forgot. He was a queen's son, boys, and though he came our enemy, remember he was paid he paid for that, though mean and mighty, rotting together, have one dust, yet reverence that angel of the world doth make distinction of place between high and low. Our foe was princely, and though you took his life as being our foe,
12: it bury him as a prince. Pray you fetch him hither. Thericity's body is as good as Ajax, and neither are alive.
16: If you'll go fetch him, we'll say our song, uh, the whilst. Brother, begin. Exit Valerius.
12: Nay, Codwell, we must lay his head to the east. My father, i have not the reason for it. Tis true. Come on, then, and remove him.
16: So, begin.
12: begin. Fear no more the heat of the sun nor the furious winters rages Thou, thy worldly task, hast done home, heart gone And taken thy wages Golden lads and girls, all must as chimney sweepers come to dust. Golden lads and girls, all must as chimney sweepers come to
5: dust.
12: Fear no more
16: the frown of the great; thou art past the tyrant's stroke. Care no more to clothe and eat to thee, the reed is as the yoke. The scepter learning physic must, I'll follow this and come to dust. The scepter learning physic must, I'll follow this and come to dust. Fear no more the lightning flash, nor the all dreaded thunderstone. Fear not slander, censure,
12: rash.
16: Thou hast finished joy and moan.
12: Oh, no lovers, young, all lovers must consign to thee and come to dust. All
16: lovers, young, all lovers must consign to thee and come to dust. No exciser harm thee, nor no witchcraft charm thee ghost unlaid forbear thee nothing ill come near
12: thee quiet consummation have and renowned be thy grave
16: quiet consummation have and renowned be thy grave
12: We have done uh, our, enter. I'm sorry.
0: Sorry, <laughs> re-enter Valerius with the body of Clotten.
12: We have done a, our obsequies. Come, lay him down. Here's a few flowers, but about midnight,
15: more. The herbs that have on them cold dew of the night are stirring's fittest for graves upon their faces. You were as flowers, now withered. Even so, these herblets shall which we upon you strew. Come on away, apart upon our knees. The ground that gave them first has them again. Their pleasures here
0: are past, and so is their pain. Exent Valerius, Gadarius, and
5: Aviragus. Yes, sir, to Milford Haven, which is the way? I thank you. By yond bush? Pray, how
6: far thither? Odds, pinnickens, can it be six
5: mile yet? I have gone all night, faith I'll lie down and sleep. But soft. No bedfellow. Oh, gods and goddesses!
0: Seeing the body of Clotin.
6: These flowers are like the pleasures of the world. "'This bloody man, the care on it. "'I hope I dream, or so I thought I was a cave-keeper "'and cooked to honest creatures. "'But
5: tis not so. T'was but a bolt of nothing, shot at nothing, "'which the brain makes of fumes.
6: "'Our very eyes are sometimes like our judgments, blind. "'Good faith, I tremble still with fear.' But if there be yet left in heaven as small a drop of pity as Wren's eye, feared gods, a part of it, the dream's here still. Even when I wake, it is without me, as within me, not imagined, felt.
5: A headless man, the garments of Posthumus. I know the shape of his leg, this is the
6: hand, his foot, mercurial, his martial thigh the bronze of hercules but his jovial face murder in heaven how tis gone pisanio all cures maddened hecuba gave the greeks and mine to boot he be darted on thee thou conspired with that auriculus devil quatton Hath here cut off my lord to write and read be henceforth treacherous damned pisanio Hath with its forged letter, Damned Pisanio, from this
5: most bravest vessel of the world, struck the main top. O Posthumus! Alas, where is thy head? Where's that? Ay, me, where is that? Pisanio might have killed thee at the heart, and
6: left his head on. How should this be? Pisanio? Tis he and Clotten... Malice and lucre in them have laid this woe here. Oh, she's pregnant, pregnant. The drug he gave me, which he said was precious and cordial to me, have I not found it murderous to the senses? That confirms it home. This is Pisanio's deed, and Clotin. Oh, give color to my pale cheek with thy blood, that we the horrider may seem to those which chance to find us. Oh, my lord,
0: my lord. Falls on the body. Enter Lucius, a captain and other officers, and a soothsayer.
10: To them, the legions garrisoned in Galia. After you will have crossed the sea, attending you here at Milford Haven with your ships. They are in readiness. What from Rome? The Senate hath stirred up the confiners and gentlemen of Italy, most willing spirits, that promise noble service, and they come under the conduct of bold Giacomo, Siena's brother.
14: When expect you, then?
10: With the benefit, O oh, the wind!
14: This forwardness makes our hopes fair. Command our present numbers be mustered, but the captains look to it. Now, sir, what have you dreamed of late, of this war's purpose?
13: Last night, the very god showed me a vision— I fast and prayed for their intelligence. Thus I saw Jove's bird, the Roman eagle, winged from the spongy south to this part of the west. There vanished the sunbeams, which portends, unless my sins abuse my divination, success to the Roman host.
14: Dream often so, and never false. Soft hole, what trunk is here without his top? The rune speaks that sometime it was a worthy building. How? A page, or dead, or sleeping on him, A dead, rather. For nature doth abhor to make his bed with the defunct, or sleep upon the dead. Let's see the boy's face.
10: He's alive, my lord.
14: He'll then instruct us of this body. Young one, inform us of thy fortunes, for it seems they crave to be demanded. Who is this thou makest thy bloody pillow? Or was he that, otherwise, in noble nature did, hath altered that good picture. What's thy interest in this sad wreck? How came it? Who is it? What art thou?
5: I
6: am nothing, or if not nothing to be were better. This was my master, a very valiant Briton, and a good, that here by mountaineers lie slain. Alas, there is no more such masters. I may wander from east to occident, Cry out for service. Try many, all good. Serve truly. Never find such another master.
14: Alack, good youth. Thou moves no less with thy complaining than thy master in bleeding. Say his name, good friend.
6: Richard Duchamp. If I do lie and do no harm by it, though the gods hear, I hope they'll pardon it. Say you, sir. Thy name. Fidelle, sir.
14: Thou dost approve thyself thy very same. Thy name fit, well fits thy faith, thy faith, thy name. Well, take thy chance with me. I will not say thou shalt be so well mastered, but be sure, no less beloved, the Roman emperor's letters sent by consul to me should not sooner than thine own worth prefer thee. Go with me.
6: I'll follow, sir. But first... And it please the gods. I'll hide my master from the flies, As deep as these poor pickaxes can dig. And when with wild wood leaves and weeds I have strewn his grave, And on it said a century of prayers, Such as I can, twice o'er, I'll weep and sigh, And leaving so his service follow you. So please you entertain me.
14: Ay, good youth, And rather father thee than master thee. My friends, the boy hath taught us manly duties. Let us find out the prettiest, daisiest plot we can, and make him with our pikes and partisans a grave. Come, arm him. Boy, he is preferred by thee to us, and he shall be interred as soldiers can. Be cheerful. Wipe thine eyes. Some falls are means the happier to arise.
0: Exempt. Scene three, a room in Cymbeline's palace. Enter Cymbeline, lords, Pisanio, and attendants.
7: Again, and bring me word how tis with her. Exit and attendant. A fever with the absence of her son, a madness of which her life's in danger. Heavens, how deeply you at once do touch me. Image in the great part of my comfort gone, my queen upon a desperate bed. And in a time when fearful wars pointed me, her son gone, so needful for this present, it strikes me past the hope of comfort. But for thee, fellow, who needs must know of her departure, and dost seem so ignorant, will enforce it from thee by a sharp torture.
8: Sir, my life is yours. I humbly said it at your will. But for my mistress, I nothing know where she remains. Why gone, nor when she purposes return. Beseech your highness. Hold me your loyal servant.
2: But my liege... The day that she was missing, he was here, I dare be bound, he's true, and shall perform all parts of his subjection loyally for Clotin, that there, there wants no diligence in seeking him, and will no doubt be found.
7: The time is troublesome. we'll slip you for the season, but our jealousy doth yet depend.
2: so please, your majesty, the Roman legions, all from Gallia drawn, are landed on your coast with the supply. Of "'Roman gentlemen, by the Senate sent.'
7: "'Now for the counsel of my son and queen. "'I am amazed with matter.'
2: "'Good my liege, your preparation can affront "'no less than what you hear of. "'Come more, for more you're ready. "'The want is but to put those powers in motion "'that long to move.'
7: "'I thank you. "'Let's withdraw and meet the time as it seeks us. "'We fear not what can from Italy annoy us, "'but we grieve at chances here away.'
0: "'Exempt all but Pisanio.'
8: I heard no letter from my master since I wrote him Imogen was slain. Tis strange, nor hear I from my mistress who did promise to yield me often tidings. Neither know I what is betide to Clotin, but remain perplexed in all. The heavens must still work. Wherein I am false, I am honest, not true to be true. Wherein I am false, I am honest, not true to be true. These present wars shall find I love my country, even to the note of the king. We're all following them, all other doubts. By time, let them be cleared. Fortune brings in some boats that are not steered.
0: Exit. Scene fo- four. Whales before the cave of Belarius. Enter Valerius, Gadarius, and Avaragus.
12: Oh, the noise
16: is round about us. Let us from it. What pleasure, sir, find we in
12: life to lock it from action and adventure? Nay, what hope have we in hiding us? This way the Romans must, or for Britain, slay us, or receive us for barbarous and unnatural revolts during their use, and slay us after. The
15: sons, we'll hire to the mountains. There secure us. To the king's party, there's no going newness of Cloten's death, we being not known, not mustered among the bands, may drive us to render where we have lived, and so extort from that which we have done. Those answer would be death and drawn with torture.
12: Sir, this is, sir, a doubt in such a time, nothing becoming new, nor satisfying us.
16: It is not likely that when they hear the Roman horses neigh, behold, their quartered fires have both their eyes and ears so cloyed importantly as now, that they will waste their time upon our note to know from whence we are. Oh,
15: I am known of many in the army. Many years, though Clotten then but young, you see, not bore him from my remembrance. And besides, the king hath not deserved my service, nor your loves. Who find, who find in my exile the want of breeding, the certainty of his hard life? I, hopeless to have the courtesy your cradle promised, but to be still hot summer's tamings and the shrinking slaves of winter.
12: And be so better to cease to be. Pray, sir, to the army. I and my brother are not known. Yourself so out of thought and thereto so o'ergrown cannot be questioned. By the sun that
16: shines, all thither. What thing is it that I never did see man die? Scarce ever looked on blood, but that of coward hares and hot goats and venison never bestride a horse save that save one that had a rider like myself, who ne'er wore rowl nor iron heel. I am ashamed to look upon the Holy Son to have the benefit of his blessed beams
12: remaining so long a poor unknown. My heavens, I'll go. If you'll bless me, sir, and give me leave. I'll take the better care. If you will not, the hazard therefore do fall on me by the hands of Romans. So say I. Amen.
15: No reason I, since... Of your lives, you set so slight a valuation, so preserve my cracked one to more care. Have with you, boys. If your country wars, you chance to die, that is my bed too, lads, and in there I'll lie. Lead, lead. Oh, the time seems long, their blood thinks scorn, till it flies out and shows them princes born.
0: Exempt. Act five, scene one, Britain, the Roman camp, enter posthumous with the bloody handkerchief.
4: Yea, bloody cloth, I'll keep thee. For I wish thou shouldst be colored thus. You married ones, if each of you should take this course, how many must murder wives much better than themselves, for wrying but a little? Oh, Pisanio, every good servant does not all commands. No bond, but to do just. Ones, gods, if you should obtain vengeance on my faults, I never had lived to put on this. So had you saved the noble Imogen to repent, And struck me, wretch, more worthy your vengeance. But alack, you snatch some hence for little faults. That's love, to have them fall no more. You some permit to second ills with ills each elder worse and make them dread it to the do- uh, to the doer's thrift but imogen is your own do your best wills and make me blessed to obey i am brought thither among the italian gentry and to fight against my lady's kingdom is enough that britain i have killed thy mistress peace i'll give no wound to thee Therefore, good heavens, hear patiently my purpose. I'll disrobe me of these Italian weeds and suit myself as does a Briton peasant. So I'll fight against the part I come with. So I'll die for thee, O Imogen, even for whom my life is every breath a death, and thus unknown, pitied, nor hated, to the face of peril myself I'll dedicate. Let me make men know more valor in me than my habits show. Gods, put the strength of the Leonati in me to shame the guise of the world. I will begin the fashion less without and more within.
0: Exit. Scene two, field of battle between the British and Roman camps. Enter from one side, Lucius, Iacomo, and the Roman army. From the other side, the British army, Posthumus, Leonatus, following like a poor soldier. They march over and go out, then enter again in skirmish. Iacomo and Posthumus, he vanquisheth and disarmeth. Iacomo then leaves him.
11: <laughs> heaviness and guilt within my bosom takes off my manhood. I have maligned a lady. The princess of this country, and the air on it revengingly enfeebles me. How could this carle of very judge of natures have subdued me in my profession? Knighthoods and honors born as I wear mine are titles but of scorn. If that thy gentry, Britain, go before this lout as he exceeds our lords, the odds is that we scarce are men, and you are
0: gods. Exit. The battle continues. The Britons fly. Cymbeline is taken, then enter to his rescue. Belarius, Gadarius, and Ar- Ar- Arviragus.
15: <laughs> stand! Stand! We have the advantage of the ground. The lane is guarded. Nothing routs us but the villainy of our fears.
12: Stand! Stand! stand. stand and fight! And fight!
0: Re enter posthumous Leonatus and seconds the Britons. They rescue Cymbeline and exude. Then re enter Lucius and Iacomo with Imogen.
14: Away, boy, from the troops and save thyself. For friends kill friends, and the disorder such as war were hoodwinked.
0: Is there fresh supplies?
14: It is a day turned strangely. Or betimes let's reinforce or fly.
0: Exent. Scene three, another part of the field. Enter Posthumus Leonatus and a British lord.
4: I believe this is Miriam. Sorry.
2: Lord, first Lord. Camest thou from where they made the stand?
4: I did, though you, it seems, come from the flyers. I did. No blame be it to you, sir, for all was lost, but that the heavens fought, the king himself of his wings destitute, the army broken, and but the backs of Britain seen all flying through a straight lane, the enemy fool-hearted, lolling the tongue with slaughtering having work more plentiful than tools to do it, struck down some mortally, some slightly touched, some falling merely through fear that the straight pass was damned with men, with dead men hurt behind, and cowards living to die with lengthened shame.
2: Where was this lane?
4: Close by the battle, ditched and walled with turf, which gave advantage to an ancient soldier, an honest one, I warrant, who deserved so long a breeding as his white beard came to, in doing this for his country, athwart the lane, he, with two stripling lads, more like to run the country base than to commit such slaughter, with faces fit for masks, or rather fairer than those for preservation, cased, or shame, made good the passage, cried to those that fled, our Britons' hearts die flying, not our men, To darkness fleet souls, then fly backwards. Stand, or we are Romans, and we'll give you that like beasts, which you shun beastly and may save, but to look back and frown. Stand, stand. These three, three thousand confident, in act as many, for three performers are the file when all the rest do nothing. With this word, stand, stand. Accommodated by the place, more charming with their own nobleness, which could have turned a distaff to a lance, gilded pale looks, part shame, part spirit and that some turned coward but by example. Oh, a sin in war damned in the first beginners, gan to look the way that they did, and to grin like lions upon the pikes of the hunters. Then began a stop at the chaser, a retire anon, a roust, confusion thick, forthwith they fly, chickens the way which they stooped, eagles, slaves the strides they victors made, and now our cowards, like fragments in hard voyages, became the life of the need, having found the back door open of the unguarded hearts, heavens how they wound, some slain before, some dying some their friends were born in the former wave. Ten, chased by one, are now each one the slaughter-man of twenty. Those that would die or e'er resist are grown the mortal bugs of the field.
2: This was a sh- strange chance. A narrow lane, an old man, and two boys?
4: Nay, do not wonder at it. You are made rather to wonder at the things you hear than to work any. Will you rhyme upon't and it for a mockery? Here's one. Two boys, an old man, twice a boy, a lame. Preserved the Britons was the Roman's bane.
2: Nay, be not angry, sir.
4: Lack to what end? Who dares not stand his foe? I'll be his friend. For if he'll do as he is made to do, I know he'll quickly fly my friendship too. You have put me into rhyme.
2: Farewell, you're angry.
4: Still going? This <laughs> is a lord. lord. Ah, this is a lord, O noble misery, to be the field and ask what news of me? Today, how many would have given their honors to have saved their carcasses, took heel to do it, and yet died too? I, in mine own woe, charmed, could not find death where I did hear him groan, nor feel him where he's not struck, being an ugly monster too strange he hides him in fresh cups, soft beds, sweet words, or hath more ministers than we that draw his knives in the war. Well, I will find him, for being now a favorer to the Briton, no more a Briton, I have resumed again the part I came in. Fight I will no more, but yield me to the veriest hind that shall once touch my shoulder. Great the slaughter is, here made by the Romans. Great the answer be, Britons must take, for me, my ransom's death. On either side I come to spend my breath, which neither here I'll keep nor bear again, but end it by some means for Imogen. Enter two British captains and soldiers.
10: Great Jupiter be praised, Lucius is taken. Tis thought the old man and his sons were angels. And there was a fourth man in a silly habit that gave the affront with them. So tis reported, but none of them can be found. Stand, who's there?
4: A Roman, who had not now been dropping, drooping here if seconds had answered him.
1: Oh, lay hands on him, a dog. A leg of Rome shall not return to tell what crows have pecked him here. He breaks his service as if he were of note. Bring him to the king.
0: Enter Cymbeline, Belarius, Gadarius, Averagus, Pisanio, soldiers, attendants, and Romans, captives. The captains present Posthumous Leonatus to Cymbeline, who delivers him over to a jailer, then exunt om- Omnis. <laughs> Scene four, a British prison. Enter Posthumous Leonatus and two jailers.
12: You shall not now be stolen. Your locks upon you. So graze as you find pasture. Oh, High over a stomach.
4: Exunt <laughs> jailers. <laughs> Most welcome, bondage, for thou art away, think, to liberty, yet am I better than one that's sick of the gout, since he had rather groan so in perpetuity than be cured by the sure physician, death, who is the key to unbar these locks. My conscience, thou art fettered more than my shanks and wrists. You good gods, give me the penitent instrument to pick that bolt, then free forever. It's enough I am sorry, so children temporal fathers do appease. Gods are more full of mercy. Must I repent? I cannot do it better than in jives, desired more than constrained. To satisfy if of my freedom tis the main part. Take no stricter render of me than my all. I know you are more clement than vile men, who of their broken debtors take a third, a sixth, a tenth, letting them thrive again on their abatement. That's not my desire, for Imogen's life take mine, and though 'tis not so dear, yet 'tis a life, you coined it. Between man and man they weigh not every stamp, though light take pieces for the figure's sake. You rather mine being yours, and so great powers, if you will take this audit, take this life, and cancel these cold bonds. Oh, Imogen, I'll speak to thee in silence.
0: Sleeps. Solemn music. Enter as in an apparition, Cecilius Leonatus, father to posthumous Leonatus, an old man attired like a warrior, leading in his hand an ancient matron, his wife and mother to posthumous Leonatus, with music before them. Then, after other music, follow the two young Leonati, brothers to posthumous Leonatus, with wounds as they died in the wars. They circle Posthumus round as he lies sleeping.
7: No more, thou Thundermaster, show thy spite on mortal flies, with Mars fall out, with Juno chide, that thy adulteries, rapes, and revenges. Hath my poor boy done aught but well, whose face I never saw? I died whilst in the womb he stayed, attending nature's law. Whose father, then, has men report, thou orphan's father art? Thou shouldst have been and shielded him from this earth-vexing smart.
3: Lucina lent me lent not me her aid, but took me in my throes, that from me was posthumous ripped, came crying amongst his foes, it's a thing of pity.
7: Great nature, like his ancestry, molded the stuff so fair that he deserved the praise of the world as great Cecilia's heir.
9: When once he was mature for man in Britain, where was he? That could stand up his parallel or fruitful object be, An eye of Imogen that best could deem his dignity.
3: With marriage, wherefore, was he mocked to be exiled and thrown From Leonati's seat and cast from her his dearest one, sweet Imogen?
7: Why did you suffer, Iachimo, slight thing of Italy, To taint his nobler heart and brain with needless jealousy And to become the geck and scorn the other's villainy?
8: For this from stiller seats we came. Our parents and us twain, that striking in our country's cause fell bravely and were slain, our fealty and Tinatius' right with honour to
9: maintain <laughs> Like hardament postumus hath to Cymbeline perform, Then Jupiter, thou king of gods, why hast thou thus adorned, The graces for his merits due being all to dollars turn.
7: Thy crystal window, Ope! Oh, look out! She no longer exercise upon a valiant race thy harsh and potent injuries.
3: Since Jupiter, our son, is good, take off his miseries.
7: Peep through thy marble mansion, help! Or we poor ghosts will cry to the shining synod of the rest against thy deity.
8: Help, Jupiter! Uh, or, we or we appeal. appeal. And from, and from thy, thy justice, justice
0: fly. fly. Jupiter descends in thunder and lightning, sitting hey. upon an eagle. He throws a thunderbolt. <laughs> the apparitions fall on their knees.
11: No more, you petty spirits of region low, offend our hearing, hush.
7: How dare you ghosts accuse the thunderer
11: whose bolt, you know, sky plants planted batters all rebelling coasts? Ugh. Poor shadows of Elysium hence, and rest upon your never withering banks of flowers. Be not with mortal accidents oppressed. No care of yours it is, you know, tis ours. Whom best I love, I craft. To make my gift the more delayed delighted (coughs) be content your low-laid son our godhead will uplift his comforts thrive his trials well are spent our jovial star reigned at his birth and in our temple was he married rise and fade. he shall be lord of lady imogen and happier much by his affliction made this tablet lay upon his breast, where in our pleasure his full fortune doth confine and so make away no further with your din express impatience lest you stir up mine. All right. Mount Eagle to my palace crystalline!
7: Ascends He came in thunder, his celestial breath was sulphurous to smell. The holy eagle stooped as to foot us. His ascension is more sweet than our blessed fields. His royal bird's mortal wing and cloys his beak as when his god is pleased. Thanks, Jupiter. Thanks, Jupiter. Thanks. The marble pavement closes, he has entered his radiant roof. Away, and to be blessed, let us with care perform his great behest.
4: The apparitions vanish. <laughs> sleep thou hast been a grandsire and begot a father to me and thou hast created a mother and two brothers but oh scorn gone they went hence so soon as they were born and so i am awake poor wretches that depend on greatness favored dream as i have done wake and find nothing But alas i swerve many dream not to find neither deserve and yet are steeped in favors So am I, that have this golden chance, and know not why. What fairies haunt this ground? A book? Oh, rare one. Be be not, as in our fangled world, a garment nobler than it covers, that thy effects so follow to the most unlike our courtiers, as good as promise when as a lion's whelp shall to himself unknown without seeking fine, and be embraced by a piece of tender air, and when from a stately cedar shall be lopped branches, which, being dead many years, shall after revive, be jointed to the old stock and freshly grow, then shall posthumous end his miseries. Britain be fortunate and flourish in peace and plenty. Tis still a dream. Or else such stuff as madmen, tongue, and brain, not either both or nothing. Or senseless speaking, or a speaking such as sense cannot untie. But what it is, the action of my life is like it, which I'll keep, if but for sympathy.
5: Re-enter first, Jailer. Come, sir. Are you ready for death?
4: Over-roasted, rather. Ready long ago.
12: Oh, hanging is the word, sir. If you be ready for that, <laughs> you are well-cooked.
4: So, if I prove a good repast to the spectators, the dish pays the shot.
12: Heavy have reckoning for you, sir. But the comfort is, you shall be called no more payments, fear no more tavern bills, which are often the sadness of parting, <laughs> That's the procuring of mirth. You come in flint for want of meat, to part reeling with too much drink. Sorry that you have paid too much, and sorry that you were paid too much. The purse and brain both empty, the brain the heavier for being too light, the purse too light, being drawn of heaviness. Of this contradiction you shall now be quit. <laughs> oh, the charity of a penny cord. It sums up thousands and a thrice. You have no true debtor and creditor but of it. Of what's past is, and what to come, the discharge. Your neck, sir, is pen, book, and counters. So the acquittance
4: follows. I am merrier to die than thou art to live.
12: Indeed, sir. He that sleeps feels not the toothache. But a man that were to sleep your sleep, and a hangman to help him to bed. I think he would change places with his officer. (laughs) For look, you, sir. You know not which way you shall go.
4: Yes, indeed, do I, fellow.
12: Your death has eyes in his head. Then <laughs> I've not seen him so pictured. You must either be directed by some that take upon them to know, or do take upon yourself that which I am sure you do not know, or jump to after inquiry on your own peril. And how you shall speed in your journey's end, I think you shall never return to tell one.
4: I tell thee, fellow. There are none want eyes to direct them the way I am going, (laughs) but such a wink and will not use them.
12: What an infinite mock is this, that a man should have the best use of eyes to see the way of blindness.
4: I'm
5: sure hanging is the way of winking.
1: Enter a messenger. (laughs) Knock off his manacles, bring your prisoner to the king.
4: That brings good news. I am called to be made free.
1: <coughs> I'll be hanged
0: then.
4: Thou shalt be then freer than a jailer. No bolts for the dead.
0: Exent posthumous and messenger. Unless a man
12: would marry a gallus and beget young gibbets, never saw one so prone. Get on my conscience. There are barrier knaves desire to live, for all he be a Roman. And there be some of them, too, that die against their wills. So shy if I were one. <laughs> I would we were all of one mind. One mind good. Oh, there were a desolation of jailers and gallows. I speak against my present prophet, but my wish hath the preferment
0: in it. Scene five, Cymbeline's tent. Enter Cymbeline, Bellarius, Guderius of Aragas Pisanio, Lords, Officers, Attendants.
7: Stand by my side, you whom the gods have made preservers of my throne. Woe is my heart, the poor soldier that so richly fought, whose rags, shamed, gilded arms, whose naked breast stepped before targes of proof, cannot be found. He shall be happy that can find him, if our grace can make him so.
15: I never saw such a noble fury in such a poor thing, such precious deeds in one that promises naught but beggary and poor looks.
7: No tidings of
8: him? He hath been searched among the dead and living. But...
7: No trace of him. To my grief, I am the heir of his reward. Which I will add to you, the liver, heart, and brain of Britain, by whom, I grant, she lives. It is now the time to ask of whence you are reported.
15: Sir, in Cambria are we born, and, and gentlemen. Further to boast, we neither true nor modest, unless, I add, we are honest.
7: Bow your knees. Arise, my knights of the battle. I create you companions to our person, and will fit you with dignities becoming your estates.
0: Enter Cornelius and ladies.
7: There's business in these faces. Why so sadly greet you our victory? You look like Romans, and not of the court of Britain. Is someone playing?
13: Hail, great king. To sour your happiness, I must report the queen is dead.
7: Who worse than a physician would this report become? But I consider by medicine life may be prolonged, yet death will seize the doctor too. How ended she?
13: With horror, madly dying, like her life, which, being cruel to the world, concluded most cruel to herself. What she confessed I will report, so please you. These her women can trip me if I err, who with wet cheeks were present when she was, when she finished.
7: Prithee, say.
13: First, she confessed she never loved you, only affected greatness got by you, not you. Married your royalty, was wife to your place, abhorred your person.
7: She alone knew this, and but she spoke it dying, I would not believe her lips in opening it proceed.
13: Your daughter, whom she bore in hand to love with such integrity, she did confess was a scorpion to her sight, whose life, but that her flight prevented it, she had taken off by poison.
7: Oh, most delicate fiend. Who can read a woman? Is there more?
13: More, sir, and worse. She did confess that she had, you, had for you a mortal mineral, which being took should by the minute feed on life and lingering by inches waste you, in which time she purposed by watching, weeping, tendance, kissing, to overcome you with her show, and in time when she had fitted you with her craft to work her son to the adoption of the crown, but failing of her end by his strange absence grew shameless desperate, opened in in despite, of heaven and men, her purposes, repented the evils she had hatched, were not affected.
10: So, despairing, died.
7: Heard you all this, her women?
10: We did, so please, your highness.
7: Mine eyes were not in fault. For she was beautiful. Mine ears that heard her flattery, not nor my heart that thought her like her seeming it. It had been vicious to have mistrusted her. Yet, oh, my daughter, that it was folly in me, you may say, and prove it in my feeling. Heaven mend all.
0: Enter Lucius, Iacomo, the soothsayer, and other Roman prisoners guarded, posthumous Leonatus behind, and Imogen.
7: Now for tribute that the Britons have raised out, Though so many a bold one whose kinsmen have made suit that their good souls may be appeased with slaughter of you, their captives, which ourself have granted. So, think of your estate.
14: Consider, sir, the chance of war. The day was yours by accident. Had it gone with us, we should not, when the blood was cool, have threatened our prisoners with the sword. But since the gods will have it thus, and nothing but our lives may be called ransom, let it come. Suffice a Roman with a Roman's heart can suffer. Augustus lives to think on, and so much for my peculiar care. This one thing only I will entreat, my boy, a Briton born, let him be ransomed. Never master had a page so kind, so duteous, diligent, so tender over his occasions, true, so feet, so nurse-like. Let his virtue join with my request, which I make bold, your highness cannot deny. He hath done no Britain harm, though he have served a Roman. Save him, sir, and spare no blood beside.
7: I have surely seen him. His favour is familiar to me. Boy, thou hast looked thyself into my grace, and art mine own. I know not why, wherefore, to say, live, boy. Nay thank thy master, live, and ask of Cymbeline what boon thou wilt. Fitting my bounty and thy estate, I'll give it. Eh, though thou do demand a prisoner than noblest tin.
6: I humbly thank your highness.
14: I do not bid thee beg my life, good lad, yet I know thou wilt.
6: No, no, alack, there's others work in hand. I see a thing bitter to me as death. Your life, good master, must shuffle for itself.
14: The boy disdains me, he leaves me, scorns me. Briefly die their joys that place them on the truth of girls and boys. Why stands he so perplexed? What wouldst thou, boy? I love thee more and
7: more, think more and more, what's best to ask? Know'st him thou looks, don't speak. Wilt we'll have him live? Is he thy kin, thy friend?
5: He
6: is a Roman, no more kin to me than I to your Highness. Who, being born your vassal, I am something nearer. Wherefore I asked him so? I'll tell you, sir, in private, if you please, to give me hearing.
7: Aye, with all my heart, and lend my best attention.
6: What's their name?
5: Fidelle, sir.
7: Without my good use, my page, I'll be thy master. Walk with me, speak freely.
5: Cymbeline and Imogen converse apart. Is not this
16: boy revived from death? One sand another, not more resembles the sweet rosy lad. Who died and was fideli. What think you? I am dead thing alive. The peace, peace. See further,
15: he eyes us not. For bare creatures may be alike. Were he I, I am sure he would have spoke to us. But we saw him dead. Be
0: silent. Let's see it is, further.
8: It is my mistress
7: since she is living with the time run on to good or bad.
0: Cymbeline and
7: Imogen come forward. Come, stand thou by our side. Make thy demand aloud. Sir, step you forth. Give answer to this boy and do it freely, or by our greatness and the grace of it, which is our honour, bitter torture shall winnow the truth from falsehood. On, speak to him.
6: My boon is... That this gentleman may render of whom he had this ring.
4: What's that to him? That
7: diamond upon your finger. Say how it came yours.
6: Thou torture me to leave
11: unspoken that which to be spoke would torture thee.
7: How? Me?
11: I am glad to be constrained to utter that which torments me to conceal. By villainy, I got this ring. T'was Leonidas' jewel. Whom thou didst banish, and which more may grieve thee as it doth me. A nobler sir ne'er lived, twixt like sky Wilt thou hear more, my lord?
7: All that belongs to this.
11: That paragon, thy daughter, for whom my heart drops blood, And my false spirits quail to remember, oh, ha, Give me leave, I faint.
7: My daughter? What Renew thy strength. I'd rather thou shouldst live while nature will... While nature will then die, or I hear more, Stry- strive, man, and speak.
11: Upon a time, un- unhappy was the clock that struck the hour. It was in Rome, the curse of the mansion. Look, it at a feast. Oh, God, what our viands had been poisoned, or at least those which I heaved had the, the good posthumous. What should I say? It was too good to be where ill men were and was the best of all amongst the rare of good ones. Well, sitting sadly, hearing us praise our loves of Italy for beauty that made bear in the swell boast of him that best could speak. For feature, laming the shrine of Venus or straight pipe Minerva, postures beyond brief nature for condition. A shop of all the qualities that man loves woman for, besides that hook of wiving, fairness which strikes the eye. I stand on fire, come to the matter. But I. All too soon I shall, unless thou wouldst grieve quickly. This posthumous, most like a noble lord in love, and one that had a royal lover, focus hint, and not dispraising whom we praised there, and he was as calm as virtue. He began his mistress's picture by which his tongue being made and then a mind put in it. Either our brags were cracked of kitchen trolls or his description proved us unspeaking thoughts. Nay, hey, nay, hey, to the purpose. Your daughter's chastity, there, there it begins. Hm? He spake of her as Diane had hot dreams and she alone were cold, whereat I, wretch, <laughs> made scruple of his praise and wagered with him pieces of gold against this which then he wore upon his honored finger to attain and suit the place of his bed and win this ring by hers and mine adultery he true knight no lesser of her honor confident than i did truly find her stakes this ring and would so, had it been a carbuncle of Phoebus's wheel and might so safely, had it been all the worth of his car. Away to Britain. Po I in this design. Well, may you, sir, remember me at court, where I was taught of your chaste daughter, the wide difference twixt amorous and villainous. Being thus quenched of hope, not longing, my Italian brain, again in your dollar, Britain operate, most vilely. For my vantage, excellent, and to be brief, my practice so prevailed that I returned with similar proof enough to make the noble Leonidas mad, by wounding his belief in her renown with tokens thus and thus, and averting notes of chamber, hanging pictures, this bracelet. Oh, how oh, oh it's cunning how I got it, and uh, some marks of secret honor, person that he could not but think her bond of chastity quite crept. I having taken the fort, whereupon. Oh, methinks I see him now.
4: Ay, so thou dost, Italian fiend I me, most credulous fool, egregious murderer, thief, anything that's due to all the villains past in being to come, oh, give me cord or knife, or poison some upright justicer thou king Send out for torturers and genius. It is I that all the abhorred things of the earth amend by being worse than they. I am posthumous that killed thy daughter, villain-like I lie, that caused a lesser villain than myself, a sacrilegious thief, to do it. The temple of virtue was she, yea, and she herself spit and throws stones Cast mire upon me, set the dogs of the street to bay me every villain, be called posthumous Leonidas, and be villainy less than twas. O oh, Imogen, my queen, my wife, my wife, O oh, Imogen, Imogen, Imogen. Peace, my lord, hear, hear. Shall have a play of this, thou scornful page? There lie thy part. Striking her, she falls.
8: Oh, not cool! Gentlemen, help! Mine and your mistress, oh, my lord posthumous! You ne'er killed Imogen till now! Help, help! Mine honoured lady! The world go round! How come these
7: staggers on me? Wake, my mistress! If this be so, the gods do mean to strike me to death with mortal joy.
8: How fares thy mistress!
6: Oh, get thee from my sight. Thou, gra- thou gavest me poison. Dangerous fellow, hence. Breathe not where princes
8: are. The tune of innocence. Lady, the gods throw stones and sulphur on me. If that box I gave you was not thought by me a precious thing, I had it from the queen. New matter still.
6: It poisoned me. Oh, God.
13: I left out one thing which the queen confessed, which must approve the honest. If Pisanio have, said she, given his mistress that confection which I I gave him for cordial, she is served as I would serve a rat. What's this, Cornelius? The queen, sir, very oft importuned me to temper poisons for her, still pretending the satisfaction of her knowledge only in killing creatures vile as cats and dogs of no esteem. I dreading that her purpose was of more danger, did compound for her a certain stuff which, being taken, would cease the present power of life, but in short time all offices of nature would, should again do their
15: due functions. Have you taken of it? Most like I did, for I was dead. My boys, there was our error.
6: This is Sheriff sure, Fidele. Why did you throw your wedded lady from you? Think that you are upon a rock, and now throw me again.
4: Embracing Um, him. Oh, hang there like a fruit, my soul till the tree die.
7: Oh, now my flesh. My child, what makes thou me a dullard in this act? Wilt thou not speak to me?
15: Your blessing, sir. Though you did love this youth, I blame you not. You had motive for it.
7: My tears that fall prove holy water on the image in thy mother's dead.
5: I am sorry for it, my lord.
7: Oh, she was not. And long of her it was that we meet here so strangely. But her son is gone. We know not how nor where. My lord,
8: now fear is from me. I'll speak, Troth. Lord Clotten, upon my lady's missing came to me with his sword drawn, foamed at the mouth, and swore, if I discovered not which way she was gone, it was my instant death. By accident had a feigned letter of my master's, then in my pocket, which distracted him to seek her on the mountains near to Milford, where, in a frenzy in my master's garments, which he enforced from me, the way he posts with unchaste purpose and with oath to violate my lady's honor. What became of him, I further know
5: not.
12: Let me end the story. I slew him there.
7: Oh, marry the gods forfend. I would not thy good deeds should from my lips pluck a hard sentence. Prithee valued youth, deny it again.
12: I have spoke it, and I did it. He was a prince. <laughs> A most uncivil one. The wrongs he did me were nothing, prince-like, for he did provoke me with language that would make me spurn the sea, if it could so roar to me. He cut off his head, and I am right glad he is not standing here to tell this tale of mine.
7: I am sorry for thee, but thine own tongue thou art condemned, and must endure our law. Thou art dead.
6: That headless man I thought had been my lord.
7: Bind the offender, and take him from our presence.
6: Stay, Sir King. This man is better than
15: the men he slew, as well as descended as thyself, and hath more of thee merited than a band of cloutons ever scar for. Let his arms alone. They were not born for bondage.
7: Why, old soldier, wilt thou undo the worth thou art unpaid for by tasting of our wrath? How of descent as good as we!
16: In that he spake too far.
7: <laughs> and thou shalt Die
15: for it. We will die all three. But I will prove that two ons are good, and I have given, as I have given out them. My sons, I I must for my own part unfold a dangerous speech, though haply well for you. Your danger's ours, and our good his. Have at it then by leave. Thou hadst, great king, a subject who was called Belarius?
7: Not all you He's a banished traitor.
15: He it is that hath assumed the sage. Indeed, a banished man. I know not how a traitor.
7: Take him hence. The whole world shall not save him.
15: Not too hot. Uh, first, pray me for the nursings. Pay me for the nursings of thy sons, and let it be confiscated for all so soon as I have received it.
7: Nursing of my sons?
15: I, I am too blunt and saucy. Here's my knee. Ere I arise, I will prefer my sons. Then spare not the old father. Mighty sir, these two young gentlemen that call me father and think they are my sons are none of mine. They are the issue of your loins, my liege, and blood of your beginning.
4: Oh, my issue?
15: So sure as you your fathers, I old Morgan, and that of Bellarius, whom you sometimes banished. Your pleasure was my mere offense, my, my punishment itself, and all my treason that I suffered was all the harm I did. These gentle princes, for such and so they are, these 20 years have I trained up. Those arts, they have as I uh, could put them, uh, could put into them, my breeding was, sir, as your highness knows. Their nurse free, whom for, for whom for the theft I wedded, stole these children upon my banishment. I moved her to having received the punishment before that which I did then. Beaten for loyalty, excited me to treason. Their dear loss. The more of you t'was felt, and the, the more it shaped unto my ending of stealing them. But, gracious sir, here are your sons again, and, and I must lose two of the sweetest companions in the world. The benediction of these covering heavens fall on their heads like dew, for they are worthy to inlay heavens with the stars.
7: Uh, weepst and speakst. The service that you three have done is more unlike than this thou tellest. I lost my children. If these be they, I, I know not how to wish a pair of worthier sons.
15: He pleased a while. This gentleman, who I call Polydor, most worthy prince as yours, is true Guidarius. This gentleman, my Cadwell, are vigarius, your younger princely son, he, sir, was lapped in a, in a most curious mantle wrought by the hand of his queen mother, which for more probation i can I, I can with ease produce
7: Gaderius had upon his neck a mole, a sanguine star, it was a mark of wonder,
15: this is he who hath upon him still the natural stamp. it was wise nature's end in donation to be his evidence now.
7: Oh. What am I, a mother to the birth of three? Ne'er mother rejoiced deliverance more. Blessed, pray you be, that after this strange starting from your orbs, you may reign in them. Oh, oh, imagine thou hast lost by this a kingdom. No,
6: my lord, I have got two worlds. O oh, my gentle brothers, have we thus met? Oh, never say hereafter, but I am truest speaker. You called me brother when I was but your sister. I you brothers, when we were so indeed.
7: Did you hear me?
6: Hi, my good lord.
12: And our first meeting loved. <laughs> and at our first meeting loved continued so until we thought he died.
7: By the queen's dram she swallowed. Oh, rare instinct! When shall I hear all through? This fierce abridgment hath to its circumstantial branches which distinction should be rich in. Where? How lived you? And when came you to serve our Roman captive? How parted with your brothers? How first met them? Why fled you from the court? And whither? These, and your three motives to the battle, With I know not much more Should be demanded And and all other by-dependences From chance to chance But nor the time nor place Will serve our long interrogatories. See, posthumous anchors upon Imogen And she, like harmless lightning Throws her eye on him Her brothers, me, her master Hitting each object with joy The counter changes severally in all Let's quit this ground Smoke the temple with our sacrifices Thou art my brother so we'll hold the ever.
6: You are my father, too, and did relieve me to see this gracious season.
7: Ah, oh, Lord, joyed in these bonds. Let them be joyful, too, for they shall taste our comfort.
6: My good master, I will yet do you service.
7: Happy be you. The forlorn soldier that so nobly fought, he would have well become this place and graced the thankings of a
4: king. I am, sir, the soldier that did company these three in poor beseeming. To the fitment for the purpose I then followed, that I was he. Speak, Iacomo. I had you down and might have made you finish.
11: I-, I am down again, but now my heavy conscience sinks my knee, as then your force did. Take that life, beseech you, which I so often know. Put your ring first. And uh, uh, here, the bracelet of the truest princess that ever swore her faith.
4: Kneel not to me. The power that I have on you is to spare you, the malice towards you to forgive you. Live and deal with others better. Nobly doomed, we'll learn our
7: freeness of a son in law. Pardon's the word to all.
5: You
16: help us, sir, as you did mean indeed to. To be our brother. Joyed are we that you are.
4: Your servant, princes, good my lord of Rome, call forth your soothsayer. As I slept, methought great Jupiter, upon his eagle-backed, appeared to me with other sprightly shows of mine own kindred. When I waked, I found this label on my bosom, whose containing is so far from sense in hardness that I can make no collection of it. Let him show his skill in the construction.
14: Talarminus.
13: Hear, my good lord.
14: Read and declare the meaning.
13: When as a lion's whelp shall, to himself unknown, without seeking find, and be embraced by a piece of tender air, and when from a stately cedar shall be lopped branches, which, being dead many years, shall after revive, be jointed to the old stock, and freshly grow, then shall Posthumus end his miseries. Britain be fortunate and flourish in peace and plenty. Thou, Leonatus, art the lion's whelp. The fit and apt construction of thy name, being Leonatus,
5: doth import so much. To Cymbeline, the piece, of, the piece
13: of tender air, thy virtuous daughter, which we call Mollus air, and Mollus air, we term it Moulier. Which Moliere divine is, the mo- is this most constant wife, who even now, answering the letter of the oracle, unknown to you, unsought, were clipped about with this most tender air? This
7: hath some seeming.
13: The lofty cedar, royal cymbeline, personates thee, and thy lopped branches point thy two sons forth, by who by Belarius stolen for many years thought dead, are now revived to the majestic cedar joined, whose issue promises Britain peace and plenty.
7: Well, my peace we will begin. And Caius Lucius, although the victor, we submit to Caesar and to the Roman Empire, promising to pay our wonted tribute from the which we were dissuaded by a wicked queen whom heaven's injustice both on her and hers have laid most heavy hand.
13: The fingers of the powers above do tune the harmony of this peace. The vision which I have made known to to Lucius ere the stroke of this yet scarce cold battle at this instant is full accomplished. For the Roman eagle from south to west on wings soaring aloft lessened herself and in the beams of the sun so vanished which foreshadowed our princely eagle the imperial Caesar should again unite his favor with the radiant Cymbeline which shines here in the west.
7: Lord we the gods, and let our crooked smokes climb to their nostrils from our blessed altars. Publish we this peace to all our subjects. Set me forward. Let a Roman and a British ensign wave friendly together. So through Ludstown March and in the temple of great Jupiter our peace will ratify, seal it with feasts. Set on there. Never was a war did cease, ere bloody hands were washed with such a peace. Excellent. <laughs>
11: We did it, everybody. What a weird (laughs) place. (laughs) Thanks,
5: Jupiter. That was a trip.